1: Back everybody to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number one seventy-eight, and this week I am pleased to be joined by a returning guest. Hello, Haley. Hello. Uh, how have you been? <laughs>
2: uh, you know, I mean, I, I live in the U.S., so <laughs> you know, as well as I can be, I guess. Well. You know, considering all that's happened.
1: We got we got the rare bit of uh good news this week, I guess, here in America. But uh, not that. Not that uh, not that this is like I don't know the right word to say. Not that this is like Biden campaign headquarters or anything, but sure as fuck, it's an improvement over what we had before. So,
2: like when when like Joe Biden is the like massive improvement. That's like really <laughs> bad.
1: Well, we were. I was joking around with my girlfriend yesterday because it's like they announced it on TV. Uh, you know that obviously that Biden had won. Uh, you know, we got the big, big the, the, all the networks called it pretty much at the exact same time. They, they were all waiting for everybody else to call it. It was really funny. But, uh, so they call it. And then, like, people fucking pile into the streets to celebrate. And it's like, do you know what a shitty president you have to be for people to pile into the streets to celebrate that Joe Biden beat you? It's like, <laughs> it's like Jesus. Like, okay. Oh, my God. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, those, those fucking... Uh, those those scenes of, like, people... I I really didn't expect that. I don't know about you. I had, like, when I... When those images started coming up on TV of people in all these different cities celebrating, I was like, uh, I didn't see that one coming. (laughs) I just really Yeah,
2: I didn't either. (laughs) I I didn't... It's, like, it's so funny because it's, like, they're not celebrating Joe Biden winning. They're just celebrating getting rid of Trump, which, you know, is already, like, a very difficult thing because he's saying he won't. So we'll see... It's we'll a gri- see how they eventually get him out
1: of it. It's a grift, though, because if you look at these... He's sending out these emails to his supporters, like, asking them for help, um, you know, for, like, these legal fees. But, uh, you know, for, like, to, you know, to try to go to court and have it overturned. But if you go all the way to down, look at the very, very fine print. Do you know what it says there?
2: What?
1: Up to 50% of your donation can be used to pay down the Trump campaign's debts. Oh, my
2: God. <laughs> so if
1: so you get... if. Some fucking rube who thinks Donald Trump is going to turn overturn this donation gives $20. Trump can take 10 of that and use it to pay off his fucking campaign debts to pay the sound guy from his rallies or whatever the fuck. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's, just one, it's just one last grift. So, you know. Because, like, if they were really going to overturn anything, like, you you would have the actual Republican legal establishment out there. You wouldn't have... Fucking Rudy Giuliani and Four, four Seasons Landscaping. <laughs> Did you see that?
2: I was, I laughed so hard when I saw that. I was like, like, the fact that it's like next to like an erotic bookstore <laughs> is like the real icing on the cake.
1: Someone went into, into the erotic bookstore to ask the owner what he thought, and he's like, I don't understand why this is even happening or happening. He's like, I don't understand why it's happening here, but I don't understand why it's happening at all. I mean, he lost. And it's like, yes, the erotic bookstore man knows. <laughs> you know? but uh yeah there, I, there really isn't much danger of trump overturning this i don't think but no you have to get There's like only four. A
2: danger of him like physically <laughs> not like refusing to leave yeah and like having to be like dragged out
1: i mean like that would be awesome if they live stream it just like just have <laughs> two big big dudes just drag them in but no i, I think <laughs> i my my uh my hot take and we'll see if this is right. And I'm sure people don't want a lot of election talk, so I'll move on to this. But my hot take is he concedes this week. That's my hot take. I think uh, I think the concession will happen. But maybe I'm... Uh, I, I think it'll be like a terrible concession. I think it'll go on TV and be like, This was stolen from me! Ah, oh, it was terrible! But it'll be a, a de facto concession, you know?
2: But... I think you're very optimistic.
1: <laughs> well, I'll see. But, uh... I mean, at some point he's going to have to get the fuck out, so we'll see. But, do you see that, the the fireworks and, like, drone display from one Biden uh, one, I remember, like, choking, I don't know if I want to remind everybody about drones, but, uh, sure. (laughs) Sure. Not what what I would do. Yeah. (laughs) I'd be like, maybe they'll have the drones. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe let's not do that uh anyway so that's the u.s election that's what's been going on here i'm do you know how fucking i i can't like when i think about this if i turn on japanese tv right like which i do sometimes or turn on hk world or something and they're talking about the american election i'm just like the rest of the country or the rest of the world i mean must be so goddamn sick of hearing about this american election like this was bad enough for us for you know to, to have to have this drag on from Tuesday to Saturday, but like if you live in any other country and you have to hear about this this fucking election for five straight days because you know America's the fucking world imperial power and all that, like you you must fucking be ready to like kill somebody.
2: Oh my god! <laughs> it's like I what? can imagine. Like I'm ready to just like <laughs> like punch my television. You know. Like I don't even watch election coverage because I know it's just anxiety inducing. I'm just like, I just like told my mom, I'm like, just tell me when when they call it, you know. I'm gonna sit here and watch anime and wrestling. <laughs> um,
1: I I sat there and but, watched and watched all the coverage like an idiot. So I just couldn't well, I couldn't turn away.
2: I ended up seeing some of it because my mom had it on, and like you know, sometimes I'd like you know, not be watching anime wrestling and then i'd i'd look up and i think the strangest thing i saw was that apparently rick santorum is on american (laughs) television
1: (laughs) rick santorum i i i don't even have to say about him at this point he would go i don't know if the, the man like if he has split personalities or something but like one segment he would be like you know trump really does have to uh, stop it with this rhetoric and blah 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 And the next thing he'd be like you know Trump maybe does have a point And you know you have to count these I'm like w- which is it man Like are you ready to trust Trump out or not? It's like he kept going back and forth Every time they would cut to that little round table It's very bizarre It's like
2: I think he's just I think he's just traumatized <laughs> from Every time he googles his name And what comes up
1: Yeah that's a good point Don't 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 google Rick Sintorm's name folks Unless you want to see some graphic stuff uh <laughs> I forgot about that until you it.
2: See that's why like I can't believe he'd he'd show up on national television. Like I just if someone did that to me, I would just like never leave my house.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh but yeah. <laughs> that was that was election week here in uh Do you know by the way, someone estimated if, if America did a popular vote um America did like it just decide their election by the popular vote. Do you know when this would have been called? When? Like Tuesday at 1030. <laughs> 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 it's like, okay. So uh, the, if we were like a normal country, we would, you know, would have been over uh, many, many days ago. But And the hilarious thing is I've seen multiple Trump people, like Trump fans, uh, actually say unironically they should get rid of the electoral college. It's like, oh no! <laughs> this electoral college is the only reason why it was this close, buddy. You don't, you don't. Act, if you're a, or if you're a Republican, you do not want them to get rid of that. That's, that would be bad for you. But uh,
2: don't tell them that. Like, let's <laughs> let them think that. I think, yeah. I, I, I think they're onto something. Yeah,
1: we gotta, we gotta get this movement going. Just, buy, we can call it bipartisan. Get rid of the electoral college. Uh, if there's a, there's a, there's a, there's an account on Twitter I cannot stop looking at. It's like. Oh, God, what Like coping MAGA or something where they're like.
2: Oh, they, I've seen that. They
1: just have all these fucking people, all these like MAGA people, and like how they're having these down. Uh, I shouldn't enjoy it, but I do. Maybe if they didn't spend four years like wearing t shirts that said like, Trump 2020, fuck your feelings. It's like, well, <laughs> well now, now, and then you see all these tweets online which like, we need to be very uh, respectful of their feelings. And it's like, well, no. I'm like, no. That's. <laughs> yes. They spent the last four years saying, Fuck your feelings and now it's like please please give them some time and some space and don't take joy in uh, their downfall. It's like, well, no. It's like that no. it's like that tweet. You know that tweet that goes like, uh, me sowing, haha, this is awesome. This is great and then me reaping, what the fuck? This sucks.
2: <laughs> like that's
1: that's basically the trump people for the last four years. So
2: it's <laughs> like it's like, you know, I just want to, like, you have to look at them and tell them that the facts that Biden won do not care about their feelings.
1: Indeed. But, uh, you know, we saw... <laughs> if you, I went through, like, a... We we really should move on. But one last thing. I went through a thread. Uh, I don't know if you've bothered looking at this, but, like, their electoral fraud claims. And they are hilarious. Like, really incredibly funny. Like, there's... The, my favorite one... Is they they show this footage, okay? Now I want I want to set this up for everybody. There is a camera in most of these uh, like voting rooms where, you know, I think at all of them, but in a lot because it varies by state, like everything else in this stupid country. But there's a camera in a lot of these rooms where they're tabulating these ballots, right? Where they're counting them and you know processing them, and some of them even live stream it. So these people were looking at a live stream of I think it was Georgia, I don't know. And they were like watching them do something and were like, aha, they must be doing fraud here because I think they were filming something out or throwing something out. I don't even know. So they think that an election worker would go into a place where they know they're being not only filmed, but live streamed and start committing election fraud. It's like, <laughs> like no, that's not how this would work. No one's going to be like, I have a secret plan. I will live stream my secret plan to the entire world. Now, of course, people came out and said, this person is just doing what's called, I think it's called like, uh, I forgot the term. Is, but basically, there's a ballot that you can tell who the fucking winner is, you know, who the, how it was supposed to be marked. But like, it won't go through the scanner for some reason. So they will take another empty ballot and like copy your ballot onto it basically is what they were doing but no they were obviously committing electoral fraud uh on live stream for anyone to see so that's my favorite one it's like that's that's not how this would work guys but uh i think if they if they had a secret plan i think they would uh you know <laughs> come up with a better secret plan than doing it uh live for the entire world to see but they probably also maybe win the senate too if they were gonna cheat but you know nobody uh and I don't know. <laughs> the fraud stuff is so stupid that I don't even know what to say to it. So, uh, Let's go to wrestling, though. So, we yeah. got three shows to talk about. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Power Struggle, DDT Ultimate Party, and Tokyo Joshi Pro, Wrestle Princess. I thought all three of these shows were awesome. Um, I get the feeling that that is not a consensus opinion for, for Power Struggle especially. But I will...
2: Yeah, I mean... I, I definitely thought the DDT and Tokyo Joshi shows were, like, amazing, like, perfect. But New Japan, um, I mean, I didn't, like, hate everything. <laughs> but I kind of just... The things that I hated, I just really strongly hated. And I didn't have anything that I, like, particularly was like, yeah, this is amazing.
1: Yeah, see, for Today. me, there, was, there were a few matches I really, really liked. I There's... There's a booking decision that I'm sure we'll agree was pretty bad, uh, which we'll talk about, and I'll you know give some reasons and all that. Uh, to me, I can separate like booking decisions from match quality. I thought the matches on this show were really good, since we're going to start with Power Struggle, by the way, so that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this was Saturday, November 7th, from the Ideon Arena Osaka, uh, attendance of 2,834. I assume that was a sellout. Uh, but, you know, who even knows anymore in the COVID era? I, I mean, I, I guess that sounds right for like half full uh, Ideon Arena. Um, the opening match, which you did not see, so I'll go over it really quickly uh, Toriano defeating Zack Sabre Jr. in 12 11 to retain the provisional KOPW 2020 in a no corner pads match. Uh, first of all, <laughs> First of all, oh, okay, I, I
2: have to go back and watch this eventually. <laughs> I didn't know that that was the rule.
1: That was the rule. They took off all the corner pads. Now,
2: oh my god,
1: I don't understand why to this day why we didn't have to have a vote over the stipulation here. I thought that was the entire point of this fucking trophy. But yano just said no corner pads, and Zach was like, okay. So, I, like,
2: but yano's, uh, the no
1: yeah, yeah, yano's the one who said no corner pads. Yes, uh,
2: Yano's the uh, one who said no corner pads. Self sabotage.
1: But yeah, he so the, the the really, really funny part of this match was pretty early, where Yano... Because remember, he usually takes off the corner pad. There are no quarter pads. So he started trying to put one back on. Which I'm just like, that is really funny. It's nonsense. I mean, why would he do that? But he was doing that. So it was really fucking funny. Uh, and it leads to an awesome spot where Yano throws Zack into the corner that he put the pad back on... The way he always shows people to the corner without the pad. And Zach hits it. And Zach has amazing comedic timing. His, his facial expressions are so funny. And he hits his corner. hits his corner pad. Perfectly fine. It's nice and soft to protect him. And he looks at Yadda like, what was that supposed to do? That didn't actually hurt, buddy. Which I thought it just—it was such a great reaction. Um, but yeah, as far as... Like, this was nowhere near as good as their G1 match. I I still think that match was like an actual like four star match. This was like really funny in parts and the finish was kind of clever with uh Yano so so Zach had Yano in a leg hold in the railing and he would not his idea basically was to hold on this leg hold and then like let it go and then rush back to the ring and Yano wouldn't be able to get back in. I think that's how he beat him in the G1 actually, so that makes sense. Um but here He ties Yano, while he's in the hold, ties Zack's shoelaces together, and he, like, Zack lets go of the hold to let, to go back to the ring, but... Uh, he can't get free of the railing Because his shoelaces are tied Like around the railing And Yana rolls back in And he wins by count out So Kind of funny Zack threw an epic hissy fit At the end Just as you'd expect like, how, like I
2: love when Zack Was this Like
1: That's Gabriel funny. Gabriel Kidd came over To try to help him get untied And as he's tied to this railing Remember He needs to get untied He's so mad He beats the shit out of Gabriel Kidd Anyway While still tied oh. to the railing Which is so fucking funny Uh Three stars and then, you know, it's what I get the match as a rating, I guess. But it was it was pretty funny. And then Uemura comes over with scissors to cut Zack free. Zach gets the scissors and, like, threatens to stab him all the way to the back. <laughs> and it's like, okay. He is not a happy camper. But there you go. Uh, so, fun little opener. Definitely not, like uh, not like I said, not as good as a G1 match, though. Uh, match two was Shingo Takagi defeating Minoru Suzuki in 1856. Uh, with the last of the dragon to become the new never open weight champion, uh, his second reign at that title, obviously. I I really thought like Suzuki might win this. I thought they would maybe try to stretch this out to Wrestle Kingdom, but I guess we'll have to see now who the Shingo uh, never challenger will be for Wrestle Kingdom because I, I I don't know. Can you think of anybody? I can't think of anyone obvious.
2: Well, I mean, I haven't really been watching New Japan this year, so I don't
1: know. <laughs> I can't think of anyone who would be like an obvious challenger. It's something I've been thinking of. Like, like Taichi, obviously, is busy with the tag titles. Uh, (laughs) A lot of other people have feuds already. I mean, that's kind of why I thought that Shingo and Suzuki might do one more until Wrestle Kingdom. But, anyway, this is a really good match. Uh, I would say right in between the Jingu match and the G1 match, which uh, Jingu I went four and a quarter on. G1 I went three and three quarters on. This one is a four-star match to me. Like, you know, very physical and hard-hitting. The only maybe little complaint I would have... There were a couple little flaws. Um, like, there there was one spot where Shingo, like, throws this super hard elbow that cracks Suzuki right in the face. And then immediately after, Suzuki completely whips on a dropkick, missing by, like, about 50 feet, which Shingo had to sell anyway. And it was like, I don't know. Uh, like, to having that come right after Shingo fucked him up with that elbow is just kind of funny. But it definitely was a, a bad a bad job kick. But they they did a camera cut which kinda hit how bit how bad it was, but uh only a little. Um
2: probably would have been amusing if like he didn't sell it. Yeah. yeah. They should have just gone with that. I hate when like they clearly botch, but they like sell it anyways. I think you most of the time it looks ridiculous. So
1: Yeah. It's a big problem in WWE matches, if I remember correctly, because I haven't watched them in a million. I haven't watched them in a million years.
2: That was one of the reasons I had to stop watching WWE (laughs) because that happens so often. Yeah,
1: Uh, there was like another little sloppy spot toward the end where Suzuki. I don't know. He's supposed to get hit by a standing lariat, but like he just kind of stumbled forward. Hard to describe, really, but it just looked very bad. But the rest of this match was awesome. Um, You know, so I went four stars on it. Like just the, the exact type of match you'd expect from these two. They had a really crazy no-sell sequence at the start uh, or toward the start with, like, you know, Suzuki even, like, no-selling the pumping bobber, and then they both just, like, collapsed in their two corners. That was probably the height of the match. But uh good little closing stretch, too. Like I said, four stars, awesome match, but not not quite as good as the Jingu match, in my opinion. But I don't know if you have anything to add on this one. Uh, no,
2: because I really only saw the last, like, think like five minutes of this match okay and i mean it was fine i mean i didn't hate it and so it's it's it held my attention well enough i'm not really big shingo fan so i don't really have any strong feelings about this but i mean i can tell that for people who like that kind of match i mean it was it definitely they hit hard and it, it definitely you know worked
1: uh match number three kazuchika okada defeats the great okan in 1258 by referee stop with a uh money clip um <laughs> fucking money clip okada right at the start he made the mistake of turning his back on okan to do his little pose which lets okan unleash his uh, rightful waifu fury on him over the okada stealing his waifu um by the way what i i, I mean look so if you like this, I guess you're gonna you're gonna you probably are gonna like be mad at me for this part. But what the fuck was Will Osprey doing here? Like he oh looked my like God. he looks like walking up behind Ocon, like looking like the biggest fucking little creep of all time. I guess that's he's a heel, so I guess it's fine. But like his promo after this match, like buddy,
2: I like. I, like, halfway through it, I just took out my earbuds because I could not listen anymore. It was, like, excruciating.
1: Like, I, I know that this Will Osprey stuff is so... I oh, got what, what am I what am I trying to say here? Like, people have made up their minds on Will Ospreay, and a lot of it has nothing to do with wrestling. So I get that, like... You know, people are going to take this a certain way if you... Depending on how you... I'm saying, even if Will Ospreay was a fucking Boy Scout, okay? Even if he never did anything <laughs> wrong in his life. Terrible. Even if he did ne- never did a goddamn thing wrong in his life. That promo was so goddamn terrible. That was like watching AJ Styles do his fake Ric Flair act in TNA like nine years ago. That's how convincing <laughs> it was. This This fucking geek... Like definitely we'll, even if you like Wolfsbane, come on. He is a dork. He is a fucking <laughs> wrestling dork and he's trying to pretend to be the goddamn nature boy and
2: it was so fucking cringe. It was so cringe. Like, so
1: anyway. It, I don't,
2: was, <laughs> it. it was like so bad. Like I thought he was trying to do some sort of like English gentleman thing and I was like I don't buy this. Yeah, it was like supposed At to be. All.
1: It was supposed to be like English gentleman meets Ric Flair, and it was awful. I mean, completely unconvincing. So I, I, I don't know. This just, is...
2: just like the entire <laughs> idea of this gimmick is so bad. Like the fact that the, his his stable is apparently called the Empire, and he's this British dude managing this like fake Mongolian guy. is just the the, the the horrible implications of all this are just so bad that I'm like, no one caught this? No <laughs> one thought, hmm, maybe this is like a little racist.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean Did did you hear the the rumor? I, I think voice of wrestling broke out on the last show that like uh apparently Chris Jericho was supposed to be in this group originally. <laughs> Which is like Oh my god uh, okay. <laughs> I mean Chris, Jer- Chris Jericho. Just, I just
2: suddenly lost, like, my will to, like, watch <laughs> anything associated with New Japan ever again. I, like, that's so... Oh, my God. Jericho, I just felt my like, soul leave my body. A Jericho
1: Osprey Sable, yeah, that would have been really terrible. I'm glad, I'm glad that that didn't happen. But, uh... But, yeah. I didn't
2: think it could get worse. <laughs> I didn't think it could get worse than, like, be priestly, but, like, no, it could... <laughs>
1: Uh, but yeah, this the match itself, which we haven't mentioned anything about at all. It was fine. I mean, I, I gave it like three and a quarter. You know, Ocon even beyond like like this gimmick in general has like like you said a lot of issues <laughs> and then like you know I I think he even beyond that I think he shows some flashes. You know, I mean, like there's some stuff where he looks uh, he looks pretty good. There's some stuff where he looks pretty bad it's just it's really hard i don't know it's really hard to tell how good he is in this gimmick i remember like like i i don't know i i, I don't get why he's doing this i guess like like he's a really good amateur wrestler in real life like why not just like let him lean into that a little bit why are we doing like he'd never he can't do anything involving amateur wrestling in this gimmick and i don't know it's just it, there's some this is th- ridiculous yeah
2: it's like i love goofy gimmicks most of the time But, like, this is, like, too far. This goes into, like, I mean, it just doesn't gel with anything else in in New Japan. And it's, like, even without Osprey, it's, like, pretty, like, you know, a a little little offensive. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I guess. You know, know, I spent, I, like, my, like, I take notes while I read them, like, really. In this one, I took so many notes, and all of them are just me ranting about how much i hate this gimmick like i think there are a few about how much i hate will osprey and then how much i hate money clip but like most of this it's just like i was so distracted by how much i hate this gimmick that it's like even when he was like doing something that was like oh he's a good wrestler i was like okay but he just looks ridiculous and he's doing these like like bad like like Chinese like martial arts B movie like <laughs> screams and I'm like Oh my god.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. I don't love it's it. It's like
2: the only thing missing is like some fake buck teeth or something. Like this is terrible. It has
1: like a and this is like the rare time I mean that three and a quarter I gave it is actually like well above the grapple average last time I checked. So it's not like this is landing with uh the the fair patrons over there. Yeah that's two point six seven right now. Just like, ridiculously low for an Okada match. Um, yeah. so I don't know. It's just... I, I thought the match was fine, but, like, you know, Okan still looks a little raw. Uh, I would you know, even say pretty good, but, like, you know, there's some cool stuff in it, like Okada. Um, you know, like, when he go, he gets the tombstone, goes for the money clip, and Okan, like, went after his face with his taped hand to get out of it. I thought that was cool. And he, like, uh, you know, went for a claw slam, and Okada countered midair to a arm drag, which looked pretty cool. Um... There was this like really unique inverted brainbuster that Ocon did, where he like held him up midair for a long time. Um, you know, oh, yeah. so like he showed some flashes here. Like there was that, oh uh, god, yeah. like, uh, the the reverse slam where Okan, uh, what was like a like a, basically a facebuster out of a backdrop suplex position that was unique that no one else really does anything like that. So there is some flashes, but like he, it's one of these things where like they're gonna have to tone this gimmick down as it goes on for him to really succeed. Like and, you know they. They, they are capable of doing that. I mean, if you look at, like, Evil now compared to when he first started that, when he was doing, like, the hand lasers and everything, I mean, you know, they clearly toe back.
2: But I, but I love that. <laughs> so. just, I, I just <laughs> like say. Goofy. That's why I said, like, it's goofy, but, like, that one I loved because it was, like, oh, he's just, like, a goth. Yeah. Whereas, like, no one goes around <laughs> dressed like that. Like, like, whereas goths really do go around and and they're kind of that ridiculous
1: that's true but no i was just comparing it like as an evil's gimmick has toned down over the years yeah which i think the same thing will probably happen with this but uh right now yeah it's I think a they little just
2: throw out the entire gimmick <laughs> and...
1: it's a little cringe just
2: start over. Uh,
1: and obviously money clip okada remains the most boring version of okada ever had so uh you know but there were there were flashes here i think the two of them may have had pretty good chemistry but uh They definitely. If this was, if this is like the start of a big feud for you know historic feud or whatever, this is a match that no one's gonna remember because it's not wasn't that big a deal. Um,
2: Yeah. And then I mean, like, yeah, I. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I mean, like, yeah, like, I mean, it's definitely like the problems with this match have nothing to do with them as like wrestlers, excepting of course for that stupid money clip, but. It's just, like, everything around it just makes it, like... Like, I can't... Like, like gimmicks shouldn't be make someone not want to watch the match. Like, they should, you know... It's, it's just... I really do... I hope you're right, and they really do tone it down, because he is a good wrestler. Yeah. And, you know... Um, so I really th- wanted the wife who wore the hat and it be good, <laughs> but this is just the monkey's paw situation yeah, for really, me.
1: Really? Um, afterwards, you know, like we already talked a little about the Osprey promo, the diet British flair thing. Um, the only good thing about that promo is the, the camera would keep cutting to Okada, and he'd have this look on his face, like, okay, <laughs> like, like, like uh, whatever. Like he he did he wasn't selling <laughs> like he was upset with this guy at all. He was just like, sure, whatever, buddy. But yeah, they're gonna face yeah. they're gonna face each other at Russell Kingdom. Uh, woohoo! <laughs> I mean, whatever. Woo-hoo. Nothing else happened. Uh, Jeff Cobb, no Jeff Cobb joined the Empire as has been speculated, but uh, which that that would be a, a great th- addition to the <laughs> to the theme. It's like anyway oh God. it's like well oh God. well osprey and his uh minority friends they uh he would have been, he would have uh i don't know like imperialized hawaii <laughs> anyway uh after that we get the best of the super junior cards uh which has a bunch of stuff i'm excited for uh, i wrote down all the main events might as well go through them really quickly Um, Day 1 has Hiromu vs. Ishimori, so they're doing that very, very quickly, that rematch, which is uh, a little surprising. That'll be next Saturday on uh, November 15th. Uh, Day 2 in Korokin has Hiromu vs. Desperado. Cannot fucking wait for that. Matches are always awesome. Uh, Day 3 in Korokin also has two really big matches, intra-unit battles. Uh, Desperado vs. Kanemaru and Hiromu vs. Bushi. Which again. I'm really
2: looking forward to that one. Yeah,
1: both of those matches I really can't wait for because I love Despy and Kanemaru too. But but yeah, Hiromu and Bushi should be I incredible. Um, day four in Gunma has Ishimori versus Kanemaru, the uh, never ending feud. And also a match I'm I'm personally very excited for uh, Hiromu, Hiromu versus Doki. Let's go. Uh, I'm excited for it. Day...
2: I, I love Doki. I
1: do love Doki too. Uh, day 5 in Niigata has Robbie Eagles vs. Ishimori as the main, which is like a battle of X-Tag partners plus the big Wato-Doki return match, so Doki's Revenge uh, day, day 6 in Korokin has Eagles, Hiromu as the main event and the Despy versus Doki match, which notable since Doki's only came to New Japan because he had to replace Desperado in last year's Super Junior so that's kind of like a little interesting note, I guess uh day seven in osaka has ishimori versus desperado as the main event uh and we also get show versus hiromu and then day eight kagoshima wato versus ishimori as the main and taguchi versus hiromu and the last day um the uh, is the last day of the the league i mean is uh, december 6 in fukuoka so it's show ishimori wato hiromu uh, Desperado Bushi, Eagles Kanemaru, and Taguchi Doki. Interesting that Watto Hiromu stands out to me because it's like, I, I think people had better be ready for Watto to get more wins in this than they might be expecting because clearly I think he'll be alive on the last day if he's facing Hiromu, but uh, I guess yeah. we'll see. And then of course he's... I mean, oh, go ahead.
2: So he's, I mean, like, I guess his like, gimmick is like pretty bad, but he's a good wrestler and also seeing Oga's gimmick makes me like <laughs> the Master Lotto gimmick more and take it more seriously. Because <laughs> I'm like, at least it's not like that. At least it's just like the only thing about it is that he's, he's it's a little, like, weird. Yeah. That's, that's the worst thing about it.
1: Uh, and then, the, of course, the finals are December 11th at the Nippon Budokan along with the World Tag League finals. And we don't have the World Tag League teams yet, even, uh, even though it starts next Saturday as well. So I don't know what they're waiting for there, but uh, I assume we'll get it soon. There you go. Uh, We also got the Super J Cup tournament bracket, which is uh, December 13th, uh, airing live, apparently. And that's Clark Connors versus Chris Bay from Impact, Uh, ACH versus TJP. That's the left side. And then the right side is Ray Horace from ROH against Blake Christian from GCW, and El Fantasmo versus Leo Rush. Uh, And apparently, also, they mentioned Red Narita and Carl Fredericks versus Kenton Hikuleo so that confirms that narito has made it back to la i guess or will make it back to la so he's uh he'll be in that tag match because he wasn't on any of those strong shows so he's been he wasn't there for that taping but i guess he'll be back for this so there you go uh match number four was the iwgp u.s heavyweight right to challenge contract uh I don't, that that's just that that red briefcase, folks. <laughs> the, the very broken red briefcase. Kenta defeats Tanahashi in nineteen fifty seven with the game over to retain the right to challenge contract. Uh I thought this was awesome. I saw some people say uh, some people seem to be a little lower on this than I expected, but uh yeah, I thought these two worked a really smart maps together. I thought they really did a great job. Um
2: Yeah, I liked it. I liked
1: it. There's the, my one of my favorite moments was right at the start where like uh, Tanahashi hits this crossbody off the second rope, starts playing air guitar. Kenta boots him from behind, gives us Kenta air guitar, and this outrages Tanahashi... Air bass. Oh, was it air bass, really?
2: Yes. <laughs>
1: I didn't even notice. Uh, this outrages Tanahashi so much, he drop kicks Kenta hard, sends him all the way to the floor, and then he wipes him out with a huge plancha. So do not play air bass, I guess, even in front of Tanahashi. Uh, but yeah, there was like this... Also, like, this great strike exchange around the 10-minute mark. They both just, like, elbow each other repeatedly. Kenta tries to hit the strike combo, you know, his signature combo. But Tanahashi blocks the last spinning chop. Uh, Kenta comes back with another spinning chop. Tanahashi slaps him right in the face. But Kenta finally, like, ends it by throwing him on the apron and then hitting the hanging DDT, which was really cool. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the go-to-sleep sing blade counters stuff, that was pretty good. And then the, the finish, I thought, you know, Kenta... It looks like Tanahashi has Kenta. He hits the standing high fly flow cross body, But instead of trying to go back up for another one, he tries to lock Kenta in the Texas Cloverleaf, which, again, I'm almost certain that's how he beat Kenta during the G1, so it makes sense. But Kenta, you know, struggles. He nearly makes the ropes. But then as is like, trying to pull him back, Kenta's able to reverse it and take Tanahashi down to the game over. Just looked really good. And, yeah. you know, Tanahashi re- tra- reverses back to relief. Kenta reverses back to the game over again, and he rolls Tanahashi back to send of the Ring, and Tanahashi submits. So, started a little slow, but I thought it was fucking awesome by the end. I would go four and a quarter, so. Really good match.
2: Yeah. I mean, I liked it. It wasn't, like, something that, like, super is, like, is, like super excited about or anything, but, like... I definitely, like, you know, it was enjoyable to watch. It's, like, not something I'd watch again, but, like, when it was on, I enjoyed it, I guess. Kind of match for me. Sure. Uh, I, I, uh, one thing I really liked in the beginning that uh, was Kenta, like, purposefully messing up Tanahashi's hair <laughs> and, like, just, like, piss him off, and then Tanahashi just kind of, like, flicking his hair and, like, went back just how it was. It was, like i don't know i just was was impressed with with tahashi's i guess ability to fix his hair so (laughs) easily and and also like Kenta like deciding on like that as a way to taunt him was funny yeah
1: well Um, he knows him well i guess uh,
2: i also really liked um when he had the the tear in the briefcase and he had like a a piece of tape on it, put like uh, with an arrow pointing to it, and then on the tape it said like Tanahashi. <laughs> yeah,
1: he's had that. To, like
2: show like had, how that happened. He's had that
1: since the G One Tanahashi broke it, it was really funny. Oh like, my god, uh, I
2: yeah. didn't. Yeah, I haven't been watching, so like to me that was like hilarious. Yeah,
1: he's like this is Tanahashi. I was, like,
2: I I just I just love Kenta being like a total dick. Like I think that's what I guess kind of made this match really. I guess you know, enjoyable for me to watch. It's just, Kent is just such a, such a dick and, like, such, like, a... He enjoys it so much. Yeah. And it's it's always, fun, it's always fun to watch.
1: Did you see his strangely sincere, like, interview afterwards?
2: No, I haven't. I didn't watch any of his interviews. So
1: he, like, described how he went to... Uh, he went to Taiwan, I think, when he was still with WWE, and Tanahashi just happened to be in Taiwan at the same time and you know so he nakamura asuka and tanahashi all went out to eat together and kenta i get you know i guess feeling pretty low at that point with how his wwe career was going you know just remembered feeling very like ashamed at that table and like feeling like you know he was doing so much less than these other three people but now he said you know after he beat tanahashi obviously he's like well i mean he didn't even say that part but you know that's i guess implied now he says if i I wouldn't have anything to be ashamed of basically and it was very like it was oddly sincere for a bullet club heel it was very like oh that's nice you, t- you turned your career around good for you buddy uh, i think that's part of the reason why people like him so much and i don't you know they connect with them on these promos whether it's this kind of thing or romancing the cameraman uh, <laughs> the semi-final for the iwgp heavyweight and intercontinental double championship right to challenge contract jay white defeats kota Ibushi in 1847 with a backslide with his feet on the ropes uh when this match ended, I felt really bad that I had invited you on for the show. But I was like, "Oh God, the the world's biggest Ibushi fan, and here I am." Uh... <laughs> oh and he gets—he's the first guy to lose his briefcase. But I will say, by the time the press conference happened, I felt a little less bad because it, it does seem very clear they're still doing Night to Ibushi at the Dome. But we'll talk about that, you know, when we get into the the post show. Um, you know, the match itself I thought was awesome. I mean, you know, Jay. Yeah jay did jay was doing some really cool like just beating abushi's ass all over ringside at the start um you know white comes back you know or like abushi comes back at first with this really good planche to the floor uh white came white comes back after that with this great little double suplex sequence where he hits like a like a front suplex lift into like a drop straight down then immediately grabs him again when he's leaning over and hits like a spitting suplex just a great little sequence Uh, they trade, like, Germans and Face Busters, which is another great sequence, which ends in a pretty nasty deadlift German from White, like, just throws him on the back of his neck. Um, and, but then Coda pays him back, though, because, you know, Jay gets him in a headlock and, like, starts throwing these, like, really hard-looking knees, but Coda finally, like, blocks one, lifts him straight into this really sick Gonzo driver, just, like, drops White right on his head. Um, and then the finishing sequence, you know, Coda... Goes for the big Bamae, the running Bamaye. White dodges and goes for a suplex. Ibushi does a standing switch and, like, gets this great Snapdragon suplex. Uh, hits a really hard kick to kneeling White. Goes for the Kamigoe. White fights back by just, like, desperately, like, driving his shoulder into Ibushi's abdomen, which I thought was a great little, uh, like, desperation counter. Uh, Kota gets knocked backwards, but then he runs forwards and gets the Bamaye he'd been looking for. And he gets to sit out last ride for a two-count. Uh, but Jay comes back and goes for Blade Runner, then gets the sleeper suplex when coda gets out. Uh, but coda like, lands on his feet and hits this really, uh, like, great high kick. And you can hear like crowd, like, gasping at this point, And, you know, they're really into it. Uh, Gato gets up on the apron. Coda boots him away. Uh, coda hits the step-up knee and then goes for the Kamigoi again. But Jay escapes and gets the backslide, gets his feet really high up on the ropes to the point where, honestly, uh, in the position the ref was in, he really should have seen it. Uh, poor Marty mm. Zombie, like, really had to really look like an idiot there. What are you going to do? Uh, were you spoiled when – oh, you watched it live, so you were not spoiled. Yeah. I was spoiled yeah. already. I knew that Jay had won this match. So if I hadn't if I had known that, the finish fight would have been the most shocking moment of the year. I imagine it was for you watching it, but
2: – Oh, was, yeah. I was speechless. <laughs> it was like, I was – I like, I was just, like, in my, like, notes that I took, it just says what, like, repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Wait, really?
1: What? Uh, But yeah, I thought this... You know, in a a way, I thought it was a pretty fantastic finish because it was completely different from the way Jay usually wins via bullshit. Just that Gato was barely involved, so you didn't see it coming at all. And you could tell the crowd was just like... The crowd had your reaction. The crowd was like, what the fuck? Um, I will say, even before they announced anything, I did assume the extreme cheating here would lead to some kind of two-day Wrestle Kingdom scenario. Uh, again, we'll talk a little, about, a little bit about that at the end, but uh, but yeah, match itself was fantastic. These two just have amazing chemistry. Uh, didn't think it was quite as good as their G one match, but it was close. Another another four and a quarter four and a quarter start match for me. So,
2: um, I mean, I I liked it a lot. Um, I think it's I think it's their their best match that they've had because like I felt I wasn't like too. I thought their G one match was kind of like not great. And then their Wrestle Kingdom match was pretty good, but like you know, definitely like this one I felt was like even better than that. Oh, what about the G one um, the G one
1: final last year? I think that most people think that's the best one.
2: okay yeah, I that's the one I like the least. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like this I guess I just I think part of it though is that like I felt really nervous the entire time. So it's probably like my my uh, you know, nerves like, Oh god, is he gonna win or is he not gonna win? Like what's gonna happen? Yeah. But this one I just kinda of felt like I watched it thinking, Oh, there's no way he's gonna lose the briefcase, so I could just watch it <laughs> and enjoy as a match. Only of course that was like the exact wrong thing. I I I was definitely uh you know, false sense of security there.
1: Yeah. I um, I almost called it in my prediction on the on the voice of wrestling website. Like I wrote a whole par- whole paragraph that was basically like you know, if Jay beats Coda for his briefcase, I won't be that surprised, because, you know, maybe they have to do something wacky for this two-night thing, and blah, blah, blah. But then I was, like, a coward, and still said, but they never changed the briefcase, so Coda wins. <laughs> so I should have just gone with my gut, I guess.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah. But, uh... uh I, I, just, I mean, I definitely... I definitely felt like, you know... I mean, I always love watching Ibushi wrestle. So this one, because I could watch him wrestle and I didn't feel any nerves, I could just kind of enjoy watching him do what he does and, you know, kick people really hard, which is just my favorite thing. I just love watching him kick people, you know, no matter what. And I thought Jay was really, you know, he's always so great at just making me want to see him get kicked really hard, so. (laughs) And, you know, that always makes them a, a, a good matchup. Uh, so, yeah, I liked it, you know. I mean, obviously, the ending, I have very yeah. mixed feelings about. So,
1: let's talk about the dome booking after the main event, because I have some thoughts on that, too. Uh, the main yeah. event, Tachiyo Naito defeats Evil in 3308 with the Destino to retain both the heavyweight and IC titles. Uh... I can already tell I'm higher on this match than, like, anyone else on Earth. I thought this was incredible. Um, You know, it's one of these matches where, like, I totally understand why most people are not going to have it anywhere near as high as me. It's not one of these matches where I open, like, grapple or cage match and I'm like, what are these people talking about? This time I get it. It's like, if you are one of these people that, like, cannot handle any interference and, like, obviously this match has a ton of interference, so you're going to automatically rate it down. I get it. I mean that's fine if that's what your if that's what your opinion is that's totally fine. I just think like this was clearly the best Naito evil match of the four. I mean Naito, I I don't even know what what his like whoever like I don't know what his doctor did or something, but like the way he was moving in this match, just like running and jumping all over, like it looked like someone gave him new knees or something. Honestly, I was like <laughs> I don't I don't understand how he's moving this well. Uh, but yeah, I thought they, they the two like all the actual work, but with, with the two of them. You know besides the interference was like the best they've worked together in, in this entire series i mean they didn't bounce they didn't botch anything like they did at jingu um you know just there was it was just like a lot of exciting stuff um you know this like i don't know i wrote worked on a lot of spots but like the this gigantic superplex evil gave Nito at one point like Nito bounced honestly when he hit the mat uh and then what evil went straight from that to the scorpion Death Lock. Uh, you know, Naito struggled for a while, finally escaped, and then Evil followed right up with the Darkness Falls for two count. Great little sequence. He went for the STO for the first time. Uh, N- Naito elbowed his way out of it. Hits his huge German suplex, dropping Evil right on his head. Evil no- rolls through it and no cells. So he charges Naito, only to get dropped by the big spine buster. Uh, and then I thought, like, I know some, Again, I, I totally get that some people hate the guy pulls the referee out of the ring thing... Not being a DQ. But it was a great, like, near-fall. where Naito hits the running Destino... After knocking Togo off the apron. So you think Togo's out of it. And then he follows up with the real Destino... And, but fucking Dick, like, pulls the referee out of the ring... Just before he can finish the three-count. That was just a, a really, really awesome near-fall. Um, you know, Dick starts choking Naito with the wire... Yujiro shows up with a kendo stick to attack Naito, which, uh, besides being, like, a little bit of drama with, like, oh, is Yujiro really with evil now Uh, in this ongoing evil Jay White thing, it's also, like, a kind of funny little, like, well, Yujiro getting his old partner back, I guess. Uh, The crowd was not happy at this point. One guy uh, even was like, fuck this coronavirus, I have to boo, (laughs) and, like, started loudly booing, which I thought was funny. Uh, Yujiro hits the pimp juice, but Sonata comes running out to be the savior. all Dressed in all white. That got a huge reaction too. Especially for the COVID era. Uh, and then Sonata nails Togo with a dropkick. Dropkicks both guys out of the ring. Gives him the double plancha. And like literally carries him to the back. Which I thought was funny. Like he has Togo over his shoulder. And he has Yutro on a headlock. Like I've had enough of your shit. You're coming with me. <laughs> it was pretty cool. I
2: love, I love that he did it in like glittery silver <laughs> boat shoes. Yeah. It was like. I was just watching this and I'm like, you know what? This, I think that was like one of my favorite parts of the match where he's just carrying them off. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, it was, so... it was a little ridiculous, but great.
1: Uh, and then Evil and Naito, you know, elbowing each other for a while. We got like a, what I thought was a really subtle but interesting spot. Like Evil, so he would catch for forever. He would catch guys' legs on like these kicks or enzegiri attempts like he did here and would hand the guy's legs to Red Juice to assist him And, like, this counter-kick. Here, he just takes the leg and fucking throws it into Red Shoes as hard as he can, wiping him out. Which I thought was, like, a just a really cool little twist on a spot Evil's done a million times. And then he does the fist to the groin from behind. But Naito, uh, of course, if you low-blow Naito, he will fucking low-blow you back. And he, like, catches Evil running in for Larry and just throws him in the air and kicks him right in the balls. Well-deserved. And then Jay comes sauntering out. Uh, he looks at both guys like he isn't actually sure who he wants to beat up. He picks up Evil, Actually, like he's giving, giving him the Blade Runner, and is like yelling, "This is what you want, huh?" Which I, that, it was just a great little, uh, great little moment of Bullet Club drama. Uh, but then he actually mm-hmm. just like, "Oh, you didn't like this part?"
2: <laughs> no, no, I'm saying uh, like I was agreeing. this yeah. was an agreement noise.
1: <laughs> uh, and then he like, but then he like just stands him up in the corner and says, "This is what you want. I'll give it to you." And he drops Naito on his head with a half Nelson suplex. The crowd, again, even angrier because they like they thought Jay was actually going to help Naito. Uh, before he can do anything else, Coda comes running out. Uh, Evil tries to give him Darkness Falls, but Coda hits a high kick on Evil, chases Jay White to the back. And then we still got a match after all that drama. Uh, Naito hits Evil with his wrist clutch elbows just after the 30 minute call. Uh, evil comes back by ramming naito into the exposed corner but naito just like shrugs it off hits an elbow rams evil in the corner himself uh we get yet yeah, more elbows and then you know i, I just found it funny the crowd, the japanese announcer mentions he calls like the crowds clapping and like stomping a big naito call which i thought was interesting nah. but uh evil you know almost rams naito into red shoes in the corner then low blows him again it's a big standing lariat on Naito, which Naito, of course, lands right on his neck for. Uh, that gets a very close 2.9 count. Uh, but Evil goes for the Evil a couple times. Naito escapes each time. Uh, after the second escape, he just slaps Evil hard in the face to a huge reaction and delivers Valentia. Evil does a great job selling that he's out here. And then Naito does the, standing, the standard widen up desk, you know, and that gets the pen. Uh, I thought this was the match of the night. I thought this was the best match these two of these guys had together. I'm giving it four and a half stars. It is the rare example to me of run-ins actually adding to the match where I thought like, you know, the, but I mean, okay. I will say I am actually invested in the J white evil, like bullet club pals, intrigue story. So like, if you don't care about that, you know, you, the listener, then I obviously, uh, or,
2: or also me, the, or, yeah.
1: <laughs> the guest, either one, uh, then I can see not caring about that part. But I thought that stuff was, was, was has been built up really well. And I thought that. Stuff I actually
2: like. I liked it, and I'm not. It's like invested in the story because, like, I just I haven't been following yeah. New Japan too much, so I don't really like know entirely what's going on. But like, I did. I also thought that part like really worked, just because like I guess Jay is such a. You never know what he's going to do. He's 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 kind of like this character who likes to fuck with everybody. So it's like I really like bought into the idea that he was going to like give evil the. The Blade Runner. Yeah. And he's been tiny. Yeah, kinda... Which normally, like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I said normally with these kind of spots, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, yeah,
1: right. But, like, this one <laughs> I was, like, really, like, holy fuck. Yeah, and, like, you know, the, the, he's been so, like, aggressive towards evil. Like, back and forth, really, in these promos, getting back to G1. So, yeah, I totally bought it. The crowd totally bought it. And then it was a, it was a rare, like, good swerve, honestly. Like, uh, which usually those kind of swerves are kind of stupid. But I thought that one really worked. And you know people complain. Well, why have two running like two running sequences? But uh, you know, Sonata was just in the G one final. I mean, he got he can have his moment. You know, I mean, it was uh they're probably setting up Sonata Evil for the dome. I think it's you know, I mean, they gotta they gotta shoot angles. What do you want from them? But uh, you know, I thought this. I mean, all, all the work from Night Dome Evil in between was just really awesome stuff. And you know, I originally was thinking four and a quarter, but I talked myself into four and a half because like. You know I shouldn't auto take off for run-ins Just because run-ins existed I mean, I, I thought they worked here So I'm going to be less of a nerd I'm going to give it the extra quarter star Plus I like both guys so always helps uh, But yeah and then White and Gato Come out right at the end uh, Before Naito could even say anything uh, <laughs> I thought Jay Jake kept apologizing to him Which was really funny <laughs> Like he's just like I'm sorry it's a, I, I'm sorry about the suplex <laughs> it's Kind of funny uh and then jay basically says he's taking the night off on one four and naito can do whatever he wants fight the young boys if he wants but one five he'll challenge with the double gold and take the belts uh naito basically was like trying to annoy him by saying he can't understand him and repeatedly doing like one four one five like what are you talking about look at his hands thought was like those two are they have amazing chemistry together and like yeah just their whole feud last year was like one of my favorite things of the year And they're just really funny, like, trying to out-troll each other. The two two master trolls in wrestling, so. Uh, Ibushi comes out, which makes White very angry. Uh, And Jay and Gato, like, they bail on the floor. And Jay repeatedly is like, you have nothing. Uh, White, I have the briefcase. Nato has the belts. Shouldn't even be here. Ibushi doesn't say anything. He just chases White away. And Nato doesn't even react to all of that at all. He just kind of sits there, which is really funny. But yeah, so the next day we this became a little bit clear. They haven't officially announced anything yet, but they did say basically that uh, you know Naito said he wants to fight Kota on January fourth. So it sounds like that's going to happen. Um, they're doing this double another like double dome situation. What's not clear to me is like is Naito going to fight Jay on one or is going to fight Abushi on January fourth for both the belts and then the winner fights Jay? Does Jay really not get, not have to do anything on January fourth, which seems? kind of unfair but maybe that's the idea to make it look like he's gonna win uh will it just be like Naito defends just the intercontinental against Ibushi on 1-4 and then if he he, win or lose he still faces Jay for the heavyweight on 1-5 I could see them doing that too I guess um so I get it on one hand you know they they have two shows they need two main events right um there's nothing else that can main event other than you know these two Naito matches because like you know, what, Okada's fighting Will Ospreay. I, I hate to burst some people's bubbles, but Okada versus Will Ospreay with nothing on the line, you know, no title or anything, it's not a Tokyo Dome event. It's just not. Uh, Tanahashi doesn't have an obvious match. Um, it's really hard to get, like, outsiders here, so you can't, like, get Jericho or, you know, even, like, you know, God forbid, they patch things up with Kenny. I mean, they can't get anybody like that, really, right now. So, you know, I don't think they're going to be able to get Moxley, honestly. And it's just it, you have to do two main events. I get it. On the other hand, this is now two years in a row where the double dome has necessitated a convoluted, like double two main event title picture thing, which is starting to get pretty WWE like. Like this feels like yeah. this feels like WWE having we have Hell in a Cell the pay per view. In September or October, where the fuck it is. So we have to have a bunch of Hell in a Cell matches. Now New Japan is basically, you know, we're having Wrestle Kingdom two days of the Tokyo Dome. So we have to have two title matches. Like, they have to stop doing this. They Like, next year, because apparently they, their plan is to keep running two domes, you know, into the future. But they have to come up with another plan other than continually doing these convoluted two-day title scenarios like they can't do this every year like they have to come up with another plan next year so it's just way it's one of these things where it's like way too convenient way too like oh well look at that we have two we have two two domain events so of course we have a little wacky situation to do another domain like it doesn't it's just it's way too like stupid i don't know i don't know if i'm describing it right but like it just feels contrived is a great word i think
2: so. Yeah, definitely. I agree. It's just like, I mean, like, last year, I really hated it. Like, mainly because I felt like it kind of, like, downplayed, like... Like, even if she won the G1, G1 yeah, he felt like kind of like a side character in all of this. Whereas this year, it's more that it's just, like, a mess. Yeah,
1: they, And I'm
2: like, I don't... Know. This
1: year, he feels like the main character of anything, but, like, it just feels... Like you said, like, it's just... It's too convoluted, and it's like... I don't know. It's just I told you like I think I told you this off the air, but like the fact that he lost to Jay here may mean that he's winning it all at the dome, and like you know, just like NATO losing to Jay last year at Destruction meant that he was winning it all at the dome. But then we're getting too predictable, you know. I mean, like, and it's too much. Like, well, the guy had his big loss right before the dome, so now he's gonna win. It's just I don't know. They they gotta like. I mean, I'm saying predictable at the same time that nobody thought the the briefcase had ever changed hands and it did, but like, it's just leading all like, it also like completely, um, like, it, what does it matter if the briefcase changed hands if code is getting a shot anyway? I mean, it's just very like it's convoluted, it's kind of stupid. It's just it feels very WWE to me. I mean, like,
2: yeah, either change like, oh sorry, go ahead. And, like, also, it's, like, the thing is, like, they're saying, oh, we're going to do, like, Night j on, like, the last day. But I'm, like, if you're going to do Ibushi on the first day and Ibushi's going to, like, win it all, it's, like, I don't know how that's going to work.
1: Yeah.
2: Like, what are you going to do with Ibushi after that, you know? It's, like, you know, they're going to, is is Jay going to be forced to wrestle on uh, the fourth instead? Like, I don't know what's going to. What's what's going on with that? That's a little confusing to me. And
1: there's no like if they're gonna do a J um you know, like a, a scenario where Jay has to defend a briefcase on one floor to make it like a, a proper mini tournament, like who the fuck is he gonna defend against? Cause yeah. I don't see any obvious challenger. I mean, who do he lose between the G one? Coda, who Oh, no, he beat Coda. Who let me I gotta look this up now, I guess. Let me see. Uh G one Climax thirty. I should look it up first, but I've totally um, I know he lost to Will Ospreay. So he's obviously not going to be defending against Ospreay because Ospreay's facing Okada. Uh, I can't remember who else he lost to. So let's see. Who did Jay White lose to? Oh, he lost to Ishii. I guess you could do that. I guess that would... I mean, that would be a like, okay, everybody knows Jay White is winning, but I guess he lost to Jeff Cobb, who Jeff Cobb's not going to get that shot. Yeah, those were three losses. Cobb, Ishii, and White. Or, I mean, Cobb, Ishii, and Ospreay. Uh, I I mean, yeah, I guess you could do Jay White versus Ishii for the briefcase on the first night. I just... That would kind of be, like, the biggest foregone conclusion of all time, because, I mean, they're not main eventing... They're not main eventing Ishii on the second night. But, uh... I don't know. I just don't like anything about this, really, other than the fact that, uh... You know... I I mean, really, nothing. (laughs) This is very, very convoluted, very, uh... Like, if they want to change the briefcase, just change the briefcase. Just do Naito-Jay. If they don't want chance of, you know, if they want to do Naito Ibushi, then just do Naito Ibushi. Just come up with another match for one five. I get that it's hard. I get that you can't bring, like I said, they can't bring any foreigners or special guests in or anything. But like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe don't do two domes then. (laughs) Maybe maybe two domes isn't necessary. I just the whole thing is just very like it feels like if it's another thing where it feels like the the schedule is driving the booking instead of the booking, you know. Just being able to stand on his own, it just feels way too convoluted. So, there you go. That's my, uh, there's my New Japan takes. I guess <laughs> really good show, but uh, I'm not a fan of where we're going. I guess. Uh,
2: yeah, I'm just, I'm just like, it's just like as like an Ibushi fan. I'm just like, I feel like the ever since he signed, like New Japan's kind of been like jerking him around a little bit, like in terms of like the booking and. You know, so him, like, you know, like, last year, like, he won the G1, but he was, like, overshadowed by, like, Naito, and this year he wins it, and he really is, like, you know, the focus, only that he loses it, and it's just, like, oh, God. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, he can't just, like, have something and, like, you know, be the the star or anything. It's, like, they want him to be one of like the like top people but also they're like mm, not really <laughs> it's like you know it's, it's a little it's getting a well it's gotten to the point where i'm just like i just have to i like i, I just watch his matches and i don't think about anything outside of it like yeah. i don't pay attention to that i just watch them because i enjoy watching him wrestle and that's it yeah i mean I <laughs> do... kind of everything else doesn't exist
1: I do think the, it's the most likely ending for the Tokyo Dome is him winning maybe both titles, maybe just the Intercontinental, I don't know. I guess we'll find out more if you get the actual like cards and stuff and figure out how this two-day thing is going to work. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll find out. Uh, let's move over to D.E.T. because we got two more shows to talk about here. Uh, D.E.T. Yes. Ultimate Party, uh, November 3rd, this past tuesday it was election day actually kind of which i i greatly appreciate ultimate party for that reason because i watched it pretty much all yeah. day on tuesday i didn't watch it live but like it was like oh this is something to distract me from the fact that this election is going to happen tonight uh definitely did appreciate that uh it was from o- yeah. War jim but as you're gonna say yeah, i
2: actually did watch it live so because of that, I ended up sleeping through most of Election Day, so I kind of had this similar, I guess, experience of it distracting me, even mainly because I was asleep. <laughs> uh,
1: we had two dark matches we can blow through here. The first one was Hideki Okatani defeating Keiko Nakamura with the double arm suplex in 424. Uh, spirited little young boy battle, I would say like two and three quarters. Not much to add, really you have anything i know? actually d-
2: didn't I, I i i totally forgot that they were undercard matches. okay so uh so
1: the other one was roshi yamato and hoshi Tango defeating mizuki watase and yukio naya uh yamato submitted watase with the just x in nine minutes um this was just there i thought two and a half like standard dark tag match you know just a very average match uh, Yamato, I do I do like that because he's teaming with Daisuke Sasaki recently. He has like all black on his eyes because that's what happens when you hang out with Sasaki. I guess you just drink and party way too late. Uh, Basically, match number one: the Mao return battle. Um, Mao defeated Shuma Katsumata with the Marines Tornado's Flash in seven fifty one. Um, this was a, a former Idols colliding, which I totally forgot about until the match started. I was like, oh yeah, they were in NWA together. I totally forgot. Yeah, I
2: think about that all of the time. <laughs> I'm like, when is when is NWA gonna gonna reform? So I always think about you know, it's a perfect gimmick for me. It's idle wrestlers.
1: <laughs> well you got the up up girls at least.
2: Yes, I love them. Uh,
1: Shuma comes out carrying a Lego bat, had an additional pail full of Legos. Um I saw some people who had this really high. I thought it was pretty good, nothing like that blew me away with You know, it was a fun little match with lots of Lego action, like three and a quarter. Uh, But some people seem to really love this, so.
2: Uh, I really loved it. It wasn't like, you know, my like top matches, because like there's just so many matches on this that are amazing. But I mean, I'm a big fan of Mao, so I was really excited to see him. And, you know, I really like Shinma as well. I really like the relationship between them, like how they're like friends from back you know, being idols, you know, and, uh, I just, you know, Mal is, Mal is such a, a, a strange and wonderful person. Yeah. So I just enjoy watching him cause he's just kind of like, you know, a little weird, but also, um, the, the finishing, what did, what did you say the finishing move was?
1: The Marines tornado splash. Okay. I assume it's a reference to the baseball team. I get maybe he's a big... It could be a reference to the baseball team. He could be a big Chiba Lost Marines fan. I don't know. I don't know.
2: But I... I, uh, When he did that, I was like holy fuck. Yeah. That was really great. Yeah. I don't have anything else to say. It was good.
1: (laughs) Match number two. Akito defeats Don Shokudina with the mouth-breeding Sano-type kiss in 951. Uh... Are you do you are you a big Demon Slayer fan?
2: Oh, a big what?
1: Demon Slayer fan or no? The anime Demon Slayer.
2: The, oh, Demon Slayer, yes. yeah. Oh yeah, I remember all the Demon Slayer stuff. Yeah, I was like freaking out when that, that was happening cuz it was like when he put the the thing on the <laughs> what's it? Like the thing that Nezuko wears.
1: Yeah, the bamboo bamboo gag.
2: Yeah, uh I was like how it out because, like, like, if you've seen the anime or, like, read the manga or anything, like, Nezuko's a very, like, innocent character. And Dino's, like, Dino? Well, so, was like, him wearing the gag, I was like, oh, God. Like, it suddenly has, like, a different connotation. <laughs> and I'm like,
1: well, oh, she dude. wears... Okay, I've only seen one episode of the TV series. I, I really should watch the rest of it. But she wears that gag because she's a demon, right? Like, because she's gonna... Yeah, she wears not... that
2: gag to so that she doesn't bite human beings. Right, so that um, was the joke I think um, here. That but, Dino, Dino, but for like, him, it's like he can't kiss people. Yeah, because of COVID. Yeah. yeah. But and... also, it's like a gag, and like him with like a, a, a gag tied <laughs> in his mouth, it just has so many implications in general, even beyond him, you know, not being able to kiss people. That's just like
1: god uh it's so, like the demon slayer movie came out in japan recently and it was an enormous hit so i assume that's why they're making these jokes but i think it, yeah. it sent like a new box office record or something so like that it was a big big deal um
2: i really want to see it so bad yeah it's i've read the the entire manga so like for me it's like i know what the storyline is and i'm really excited to see it animated
1: uh, but yeah, so he comes. He comes out growling, like I think she does on the show, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> which is really funny. Uh, Akito, meanwhile, drank like a million energy drinks before he came out here because he got no sleep the night before. I guess out of nerves uh, from facing Dino, because Dino, like, it was a Dino match that Akito watched that motivated him to become a pro wrestler, which is something. <laughs> apparently, that's real. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, there is a. So there's like a great like this had the most consent of a Dino match of all time, because, like, Akito... Uh, like, Dino starts off his match wrestling completely straight. He just beats Akito up. He even goes for a regular pile driver instead of the Donshoku driver. Uh, and then Akito keeps telling Dino, like, come on, go for my penis. Uh, and Dino keeps just punching him in the face instead, which is, yeah, that's, like, the most consent we've ever seen in a Dino match. Um, yeah. But that I... was,
2: like, really funny, I thought. <laughs> and then the, I... the way that was, like, planned. <laughs>
1: And Akito eventually convinces him to go back to his normal self uh, and even has matching tights, which I thought was funny. Oh,
2: the song. I love the song. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that.
1: And there's a joke in here about Akito like farting a lot because of all the energy drinks. And then Dino yells at everyone to watch because the EVP of Cyberfight, because he just got promoted, is going to shit his pants in the ring. Uh, and Dino, for some reason, strips down to an adult diaper. And Neely beats Akito with a variation of the Donshoku Nightmare. But Eno appears and tells Akito not to give up for some reason. And then Akito... Oh, yeah, and then
2: it plays... Isn't that when it starts playing the, the theme song for Demon Slayer? Yeah, so I think you're right. Two. Yeah. Yeah, like, when that song came <laughs> out, I was like, holy fuck. Because it's like like oh my god they're really going for this like whole demon slayer thing
1: yeah it's really funny and then akita wins with the goliath bird eater lip lock combo which apparently is called the mouth breeding type kiss so uh i don't know how to rate this so i'm not gonna but it was (laughs) certainly never uninteresting if you're listening to this and you hate
0: in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks I was able to open an arena club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it and look, it's gonna be junk. You're you you know what I mean? Like you know what you're probably gonna get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, Oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards. Off again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net, arena club.com slash VOW net for ten percent off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network.
1: DG comedy. I guess sure you sure should skip this match, but uh
0: oh yeah, you would hate it.
2: <laughs> very, very if even I was a little like, okay, maybe this is too much. <laughs> Like, you know, like, I don't, I don't really, like, I guess, bathroom humor. So, like, yeah. the music was, a like, uh, but, like, it was, it was very, very DDT. Yeah. <laughs> very, I, I could understand why people would hate it, and I accept it.
1: Uh, so. Match number three, the survival four-way six-man tag. Uh, Katsusada Higuchi, Yukio Sakaguchi, and Saki Yakai defeat Torawashi, Naomi Yoshimura, and Kazuki Hirata. Mad Polly, Ellen Demand, Nobuhiro Shimatani, and Super Satsango Machine, Makoto Oishi, and Antonio Honda in 11.03. Uh, the first two pins were both for Hirata. He eliminated... It was Elimination Rules. I think I wanted in Survival, so... Uh, Hirata eliminated Shimatani with the Miracle One-Shot Cradle in on 7.12. Then he eliminated Honda with the Miracle One-Shot Cradle in on 9.50. And then Yukio Sakaguchi eliminated him with the Cradle in on 11.03. And one of the funnier jokes in the show... Hirata immediately complained that uh, getting a that a roll up was not fair after he pinned the first two guys at roll ups, uh, but yeah, there was a this mentioned it being a lot more comedy than I thought it would be, especially with eruption in there. I thought you know they're the six man champions, and also also uh, and Higuchi just won the, the regular tag titles too. They look so fucking cool coming out with all their belts, like you know Saki standing yeah. in the middle wearing her six man title and gucci and sakaguchi on either side holding their both titles but uh this is mostly comedy and Sasadango, so he had he pulled his mask off to reveal poly face paint just like uh just when the damn hearts team had him cornered and offered an alliance and they accepted and you know that was kind of funny but then he double crosses them of course and that lets <laughs> us hear it uh, roll shimitani up for the pen uh and then Honda later says that he's like so lonely he's gonna give up because everybody else was like in a big circle, like hold except for him, the first Hold Who's Gone the Fox story. Uh but yeah, that was uh you know, it was almost all comedy, so I'm not really gonna rate it again, but it was pretty fun. I enjoyed it. But uh, again, I, if you
2: I, I I thought it was fun. Yeah. yeah if
1: you hate D comedy, you can really if you hate D like if you're the type of person that really cannot stand D comedy, you could just watch the opener and you can skip the next four matches, like two, three, four, five. And then, oh no, two, three, four. Next, the next three matches. Two, three, four. And then watch just like five through eight. And you know they, they basically structured it so all the serious matches are at the end. So they made it easy for the uh, the fans that hate the comedy, I guess. But uh, anyway, the next match was the DDT Extreme Title Weapon Rumble. Uh, Shinshiro Takagi defeats Shinya Aoki with the La Magistro Cradle in ten fifty five. Aoki fails in his V6, and Takagi becomes the 49th Extreme Champion. Um, so, I don't, th- th- this was a really weird weapon rumble. Like, there were almost no actual weapons. <laughs> it was all people and like secrets. Uh, yeah. So it was like it was probably the worst weapon rumble I've ever seen as like a match. But the jokes were pretty funny. So yeah, you know, I I, had... I-, I thought I thought the way
2: that I thought the, like the ending of it was like. Absolutely perfectly. I was dying laughing.
1: Yeah, there was a really funny joke in right at the start where like Takagi's first weapon was explosion bat, but sound only. So there was like a there's a bat wrapped in barbed wire, and then you could press a button to make an explosion sound. And for some reason, when Takagi hits Nakamura, he still sells it because Kegon Nakamura was the first weapon. Uh, when he hits Nakamura with it, it still kills him. Like Nakamura sells it, like there was an actual explosion, but it was only the sound of the explosion. Uh, we have Makudanoto showing up as a a weapon. Uh, apparently, MMA legend Hayato Max Sakurai showed up. Uh, as a weapon for Takagi. Wait,
2: who, who, wait, who is his weapon?
1: Uh, Hi- Hayato Max He was Takagi's weapon. Some MMA guy. Okay. Uh, yeah, I heard. I like forgot. I just remembered it was like, some, some guy. Was,
2: like, you know.
1: <laughs> but then we get the secrets revealed. Okay, so the fifth weapon uh, it's for Aoki. And we get definitely not Dino and Sasadango with the witness protection filter revealing that this one time, this big time actress came to watch the show. And Takagi was like, she was such a huge fan of me. I could have gotten lay with her but I chose not to. I could have though. And this story reduces Takagi to tears for some reason as Aoki celebrates. I was like, I didn't think that was that bad, buddy. I mean, that doesn't sound all you did was brag that you could have uh, maybe had sex with somebody. It doesn't, I don't know if that would reduce you well, to tears. I mean, it's
2: kind, of like, it's kind <laughs> of like, I guess embarrassing because it's like uh, what is it? like the idea that you think so highly of yourself (laughs) that you're like telling people this is kind of like not something you want other people to know about
1: the sixth weapon for Takagi uh, is also secrets revealed and then uh, (laughs) interviewer so I've heard you've had and I I, I of course give credit to DT English update DT for underscore ng for all these translations interviewer so I heard you've had a match with Aoki before Someone that looks like his, ex- his ex-wife. His technique was bad. I was expecting more from him. He, quote, tapped out, air quotes, very quickly. He was bad, plain and simple. Then the seventh weapon, also for Takagi, and it's Secrets Reveal Part 2. Another woman. Uh, the interviewer asked her, who are you? Have you met Aoki before? The woman's like, no, he just DM'd me on Instagram. He wanted to go to a love hotel with me, so I just blocked him. And then we get actual screenshots of the DMs, which is incredible. <laughs> and then back of the ring, Aoki is so distraught over the second group of revelations and uh, the look on his face is really funny. The Takagi easily rolls him up with a Store cradle to end his reign finally as a DET Extreme Champion. What other way could a reign end? Uh, but yeah, it was really funny. Not really much of a match. Can't really star rate it, but like you know, some of these matches have actually been really good as matches, you know, these Rupp and Rumbles, but this was, this was... The ending was still really funny.
2: Oh my god, it's like he did... He got, like, so destroyed. Like, he lost because of his own weak dick to game. <laughs> I think, think that's just... It's just so so very... Only that could happen in DDT. Indeed. Nowhere else.
1: Uh, Takagi afterwards. He announces all of his defenses will be Rojo matches, a street matches. Uh, and they will all be on the official DET YouTube instead of Universe, so that's very interesting. Uh, he challenges anyone from the entire world of wrestling to come for the belt. Uh, Shuma attacks him afterwards, so I guess he's going to be the first challenger. Uh, after that, we get the DO annou- participant announcements, uh, which we'll talk more about that next week's show, because we, that will be, we'll do like a whole DO preview, because the, the, the tournament won't start until after the after the next show uh but yeah there's no real surprises or outsiders here which maybe that's surprising they usually do have like one big outsider at least but you know uh they have Junakiyama but he doesn't really count he's been there for months but uh it'll be fun to see him in a league like this though when he hasn't competed in the champion carnival uh since 2018 and even that was like a last minute replacement after he was in the 2017 carnival so we'll talk more about that next week Uh, We also got our first big show announcement for 2021, which is Kawasaki Strong on February 14th, which is DET's first ever show at the Colts Kawasaki venue. Presumably that's where the D.O. winner will get their title shot, but I guess we'll see. Uh, Match number five, and this starts like four straight really great matches, uh, Shima and Soma Takao defeat Hiroshima and now Michimara Fuji when Soma pins Hiroshima with the gin and tonic in 1247. Um... You know, she I, maybe keeping it short was like the key. Marafuji in these tag matches in DT usually fucking sucks. This was like the best I've ever seen him, honestly, in one of these DT tag matches. Like he, he seemed like he was into it. uh You know, the other guys were very into it, and Shima especially was pretty into this match. um You know, there's a great spot where Hashima did like a somato to Soma, only to eat the Meteor off the top from Shima. Just a great little contrast, since it's a very similar move, obviously. Uh, and it and starts like a big exchange everybody just like nailing each other and the match ends with a I mean the Soma pinning Hiroshima is huge and like you know especially cleanly yeah. uh, so probably one of the biggest pins of his career but yeah the match was a lot of fun by the end I would say three and three quarters definitely recommend this one
2: Um, I mean yeah I feel basically the same way Um, I I enjoyed watching it it's not like uh, what is it I mean, like, I wasn't, like, really, was it, like, invested in, like, who would win or anything. It was just kind of more, like, you know, I guess, enjoyable in the moment, you know, just, like, to watch. I guess as opposed to, like, oh, I'm really, like, vested in it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's still fun, you know. Uh,
1: afterwards, Shima and seemed seem to have some kind of confrontation, maybe teasing a future single match. Uh, they've never met one-on-one before, just a tag and... 2007, before this one, which was a, a six-man on an April Noah Budokan show. It was Shima, Dragonkin, Susumu Yokosuka against Marafuji, Ricky Marvin, and Ippi Ota. Uh, so that's interesting. But yeah, this is this was only their second match against each other. They also teamed together on the very ill-fated Ring of Honor Osaka show uh, a couple months later in 2007. It was Fuji, Shima, and Brian Danielson against the No Morse Corps of Rocky Romero, Davey Richards, and uh their partner that night masaki mochizuki which uh if people don't know about that show that that show like indirectly started dragon gate usa because like ring of honor never paid dragon game for like they were supposed to for that show ever uh, putting on that show for them and like it started like a big fallout and you know gabe ended up with them when uh ring of honor i guess you know there's a whole big thing basically but yeah uh just kind of an interesting little show but yeah, during the promo afterwards, Shima admits they thought they were going to lose, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, but Shima and Soma agree to continue teaming together, mostly because they still have matching gear. They have new matching gear, so they, they got to get more use out of it. Uh, and maybe I gonna... the
2: matching gear is really cute. Yeah, it, it, was, it
1: was. I mean, Soma getting like to team with his childhood heroes is just so cool. Yeah, because he... I just
2: love love that. He's so excited about it. Like, it's so clear, and it's just like I don't know. Normally, because he's like he looks kind of like sullen. But like when he's teaming up with Shima, he looks like really happy and I like that.
1: Yeah, people don't know he was Bima in uh in college wrestling. So, you know. Not like college wrestling we have, like college like they I feel like I've explained this a million times, but like these college wrestling clubs where they do pretend pro wrestling. Not that,
2: Yeah, there's some like documentary about it out there that I watched on YouTube.
1: Oh there you go. I, gotta uh, check that I don't out. know
2: I don't know where to find it. If <laughs> I if I manage to find it again, I'll post a link on my Twitter.
1: Okay. Uh, but yeah, then we get the D2 Universal title match with, uh, Yuki Ueno defeating Chris Brooks and with the WR Unlimited in 1405, so Brooks fails in his third defense and Ueno becomes the fourth Universal champion. This is awesome. Uh, yeah. you know, it starts off fast and furious right from the opening bell. You get this big runoff from Ueno that, like, sends Brooks rolling to the floor, uh, but when he tries to follow him out there to plancha, Brooks counters with an ace-crusher in mid-air. Perfectly timed. Like, I replayed this five or six times. It looks so great. Um, you know, really hard-hitting match. Both guys are laying into each other. Uh, Ueno at one point just, like, wipes out Brooks with a super-high drop kick right to the face. We get, like, this big late push from Ueno where he survives the praying mantis bomb from Brooks. Uh, gets this huge moonsault to the floor. This half-delson suplex. Another moonsault back of the ring for a really close two-count. Um... But yeah, you know, There's a cool spot where like, Ueno, you know, Brooks gets the octopus hole locked in, but Ueno's able to like power him up, up, and out of it, and get this wrist clutch, wrist clutch, uh, fire thunder bomb, after Brooks lands in front of him. Very cool counter. Just gets a two. That count. was my
2: favorite part. Yeah. I love that. I was like, holy
1: fuck. <laughs> it was really good. Uh, but yeah, so basically, there's he, he hits his pair. Brooks hits his pair of super kicks. no sells them. Uh, hits a kind of sloppy kick after that, which may be the only bad part of this finishing stretch. But then he picks Brooks back up, hits some kind of the the, U, the WR driver, I guess, which is like this wacky driver that, like, kicks Brooks' legs out from under him. He's really really cool-looking, very hard to describe, but very cool. And that's finally enough for the pen. Uh, yeah, I thought this was awesome. I'm 100% behind Reno getting the Universal title. He's been really good this year. Really, really, really turned it on this year. Um, four and a quarter for me. I thought this was awesome
2: um I also really loved it um I like in the past like I've been kind of like unsure how I feel about Ueno but like yeah like this year I've started to really enjoy watching him a lot I think he's I don't know I think he's uh yeah like I guess become more of an interesting wrestler instead of just like oh he's good but whatever um and yeah I don't have anything else to add I just thought this match was great. Uh, ac- i'm glad
1: he won after the match he announced he's leaving disaster box much to the shock of the other members so we'll see what happens there i guess uh we also got a match for the next dt tv show which happened today actually i haven't watched it yet but uh ueno mm-hmm. defends the title against Mao. so uh i don't know who won that but don't spoil me if you're listening to this don't like at me and be like oh Mao won i just i'm gonna watch it so don't don't spoil me uh you haven't seen it yet either i assume
2: no, no, okay. I was going to
1: watch it probably tomorrow morning. Yeah. Uh, the semi-main event, Jun Nakayama defeats Konosuke Takashita with the front neck lock in twenty-five thirty-eight. Holy fuck, this match was so good. Like, first of all, if you are listening to this right now, if you're, if you're for some reason listening to me, us review a DDT show but normally can't stand DDT, you still need to watch this match because this match was like the two of them putting on this fucking like throwback to like old school like 90s all japan slash like early zero zeros noah like they were like t- they did all these tribute spots takashita was like doing all these moves for out of for all these are all japan guys i mean it was such a fucking like love letter to that whole period if you like that st- that style of wrestling you will love this match i mean this was just an amazing match um you know akiyama turned back the clock here and you know was just doing all this crazy shit um you know he just took this he took so many so many moves from takashita and then dished it out too i mean there was like this really great uh like suplex trading sequence um with like june like just popping off these exploders like you know it's it's 2005 again and you know takashita gets this huge power bomb akiyama comes right back with a running knee attack covers him and doesn't even get a one count which I can't remember the last time I saw that like Takeshita kicks out at zero <laughs> which was just such a great moment so Akiyama immediately follows up with more knees to chest another exploder for a two count uh we get an even more physical like running knee attack for another two count uh just before the 25 minute mark of the match and then June hits this rich clutch exploder drops Takashita right on his head but he, when he covers he pulls him up at two I love that, and then locks him in the the signature front neck lock. The same the same movie beat. Uh, God, who did he beat with on the very first show? I think Kobashi <laughs> on the first and second Noah show. Uh, just and then that's the obviously the match stoppage. Oh no, I think no Takashi tapped out actually, but yeah, he'd rather force him to tap out than pin him. It was just such a like fuck you moment, uh, and it, like the way he got up where he, like, spit at the air after the match was called. It was, like, probably unwise during this ongoing pandemic, but looked cool as hell when he did that. Like, I just beat you, you little little bastard. (laughs) It was basically the moment. Uh, So awesome. You know, I would say low-end match of the year candidate. You know, is an old man. I mean, he is, you know, up there in age, but he turned back the clock here and put on an awesome old-school performance, a a four-and-a-half-star match. Uh, You know, Akiyama... You know, going over is the right call because he has so much more to do as a main eventer in DDT, and we'll see where it leads to the DO. They're in separate blocks. Maybe they could meet in a rematch in the final. You know, who knows?
2: Um, As for me, I like don't really have the same background with like I guess that kind of wrestling that you do. So of course, a lot of things kind of like went over my head, and I'm also like it's not usually the wrestling style that I enjoy, but it's, like, one, this match was, like, something that, like, I watched it, and even though it wasn't, like, my type of match, it was, like, I could see, like, it was still great, and that, like, for someone who does love that type of match, it would clearly be, like, you have to watch this. Because yeah. for me, it's, like, you know, it's, it's a lot of it flies over my head. But, you know, I still I still enjoyed it more than I normally, because I guess, enjoy kind of the more this this kind of like match where it's i guess very old school um so yeah i thought i think everything you said is kind of good cuz i don't really understand i guess or have, have have the the knowledge to kind of like be like oh yeah i understand i get what they're referencing
1: yeah so. uh <laughs> The main event for the K.O.D. Openweight Title: Tetsuya Endo defeats Taiki Sasaki with the Shooting Star Press in twenty-seven forty-eight. His third defense for Endo. Um, so, what my position on the Akiyama takashida match, I think, is pretty typical. But I, again, I'm way higher this match than a lot of people I've seen. I thought this was even slightly better than, like, like going this. Just... Oh, sorry, what were you gonna say? You no, know, I thought it was like definitely. It's like I
2: was. Like, honestly, I love the match so much that I was, like, tearing up at the end. But I'm also, like, really deeply, like, I love, like, Damnation so much. So I figured, like, I'd be way higher on the match than most people were.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I uh... love Damnation too, but it's definitely, this match was, I thought this match was incredible, though. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the, the match itself, like, just the Damnation Civil War aspect of it where, like, you know, people don't know the story, Endo... Got to name his own opponent because he won King of D.E.T. He initially wanted Kenny Omega, but uh, thankfully the gamer could not get in the country because of COVID. So. <laughs> uh, so he named Sasaki instead. And Sasaki claimed he re- he'd retire if he lost. Although, who, kn- who the fuck knows with him. As we would found out, that would be true. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the match here basically, like, Endo turned on Sasaki. Uh, well, Sasaki turned on Endo first, actually. Sasaki turned on Endo leading up to it and tried to kick him out of damnation. And the rest of the group turned on Sasaki and was like, no, we're siding with Endo, actually. So, you know, they kick him out. and Endo even says, you know, the inverse of the the famous damnation slogan. He says, now we can kiss ass, conform, and get married, which was such a (laughs) great line. Uh, But yeah, it was just a really amazing build. But yeah so Sasaki has his like that black eye makeup like he's in murder mode I guess and he gets really vicious right from the start using a chair on Endo's leg up against the post um, the other Damnation members do get involved and they hold Sasaki for like this beautiful space flying tiger drop from Endo um, I will say he does that Osprey thing of like holding his leg in severe pain after hitting a perfect leaping move but not great but at least it's coming after like two minutes of leg work instead of 15 like in some of those Osprey matches uh because this is all really early in the match too. You know, there's this really nice flip dive from Sasaki from the top rope all the way to the floor. Uh just after the 10 minute mark, it like really wiped out Endo and they both landed hard. And they do this like really cool like high speed like avoiding sequence that ends with uh like they both keep avoiding each other's moves before Endo finally gets the Canadian Destroyer. Uh he goes for the Tetsuya in the sky, but Sasaki avoids it by holding on the ropes. He goes for like a Rana or maybe the La Mystica under a crossface, but like Endo catches him in midair, tries to turn it into a tombstone, but Sasaki counters it into a pile driver zone with his legs. Like, I don't even know. How to, like, again, it's one of these things I'm going to have a hard time describing because I've never seen anything like it. But he basically, in midair, like hits a pile driver with his, with his legs. I mean, that's really the closest way I can describe it. It looked fucking awesome. And it was like a. That sequence had to be so hard to pull off perfectly, and they pulled it off perfectly. So, um, Sasaki gets the crossface, Endo manages to reverse into a cradle, and then, like, lifts him straight up into a powerbomb for a two-count, great counter, uh, goes to the shooting star press, but Sasaki rolls to the apron to escape, and Endo goes after him, but eventually eats a pedigree on the apron, that looked brutal, uh, mm. and then that followed up with the crazy elbow drop, where, you know, Sasaki, you know, he keeps gets Endo in a chair, sitting behind a table, behind the fencing. Endo goes, or Sasaki goes up to the ring post, almost doesn't even clear the table, but does wipe out both Endo and himself. Uh, they both go fucking flying. That was an insane spot. That could have gone very badly. But, you know, luckily yeah,
2: for Yeah, I, I, I like literally jumped out of my seat like <laughs> when that happened. I was like, oh my God. What are uh, these guys doing? <laughs>
1: After this, the ref gets bumped. Uh, Sasaki tries to use a chair on Endo. Endo goes to use on Sasaki while he's kneeling down. Uh, Mad Polly comes up from behind him, though, and rips the chair out of his hands. So we get some damnation drama here. Uh, Sasaki low blows Endo, and then Polly gives Endo a forearm shot. Apparently, deciding to turn on him here. Uh, it would all be okay at the end, but at the, the, the time, I was like, "Oh no, Polly's turning on Endo." They're so
2: oh yeah, they're
1: so sweet together, but it's very uh very 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 bothering <laughs> B- bothersome I guess I was very worried about the endo poly pairing apparently ending but
2: I, I, I was I was also like I was like feeling so like this entire match like my emotions were like on high yeah. and like so that moment I was like no <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah so Sasaki like wears endo out with that chair breaks it over his head signals that it's over and gives him the spitting the drop thing he does Goes for the crossface again, and Yamato revives the ref uh, to check if Endo wants to tap out, but Endo does make the ropes. Um, we see the. the They do a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Tetsi in the sky from Endo for a two count, right around the 25 minute mark. Uh, and then both guys end up just like trading punches in the, to the face right in the middle. Uh, Sasaki gets the better of it, hits a big super kick, but he can't take Endo down to the mat with the crossface again. Uh, Endo comes back with some headbutts and a big flipping kick. And then gets his half-Nelson driver that just drops Sasaki right on his neck. Uh, But somehow Sasaki kicks out too. And then he looks like he's out even as he kicks out. Which I thought was like a great, great selling here from Sasaki. Uh, And referee Matsui is like trying to wave his hand in front of his face. Just like checking to see if he's still there. And then Endo grabs him, gives him a hug. Which I can see that being too hokey for some people. And again, like, you know... It gave me flashbacks to like Sean and Flair, not in a good way. But you know, I mean, for the story, I think it worked.
2: Uh, I, I I was you know on in tears by that at that <laughs> when that happened. So uh, I think it worked.
1: Endo hits one last big headbutt and finally the Shooting Star Press off the top and that gets the pen. Uh Yeah, this is like a roller coaster of a match. I can see people if like look if you're not invested in the damnation story, then. Maybe, like I said, maybe, like I said, the ending will be too hokey for you, and a lot of their stuff will be a little too, like, whatever. But I thought this was awesome. I went four and a half. Uh, they bumped their asses off, destroyed each other, really went out there to have a real classic. I think they succeeded. Um, and like I said, I thought it was just a tad better than Takashita Akiyama. Um, you know, and, and really, the last four matches in the show take it into being a really great show, you know, not. Not the best show we're going to talk about, amazingly, but, you know, a really, really good show. Um, Afterwards, Sasaki does tease retiring. Uh, He tells Yamato to ring the bell ten times for him, and Yamato's like, seriously? But Endo stops him. They have a big reunion. Endo basically says, you know, I had to do this to you to get you to take this match seriously, otherwise you would just goofed off. And they, they do, Sasaki's back in damnation. And that honestly works for me. I'm very happy with that. And then Shuji Ishikawa. Yeah. Shuji shows up to serenade them, which is so great. Uh, I love that. was <laughs> so awesome. Um, but yeah, there's, there you go. And Sasaki did clarify at the end, uh, the Charisma Farewell Tour. He's going to live with the stipulation. The Charisma Farewell Tour starts tomorrow, and it will run until 2080. So he's <laughs> living up to the stipulation. He has to retire. He's lost. Uh, did you see, by the way, the last shot for the credits? Oh, yeah, with
2: the with the two of them?
1: <laughs> yeah, so they they do the... Walking
2: end- in the back?
1: They do the Into the Light credits with an all-time great gag at the end. They're walking down the hallway together. Endo has his belt and his giant winner's check for 2 million yen. And Sasaki tries to grab the check from him <laughs> at the last possible second because he always took his money back in the day. Uh, and Endo fight takes it right back. Just an amazing, amazing joke. Like, I thought Sasaki was going to, like, pat him on the shoulder at first, but I should have known better. (laughs) (laughs) It was so great. But, yeah, awesome main event, awesome show.
2: Yeah. um, I was just, like, like, I was literally, like, crying at the end, like, when they're doing the whole, like, reunion thing, and I was, like, I was was truly a mess. Um, I just, I thought the entire show was great, and, like, I guess as someone who is, like, so invested in Damnation, like, it really felt like the perfect kind of very, very satisfying, like, and beyond that ending for, I guess, this chapter and their kind of story, um, which, you know, it's, like, in contrast to, like, New Japan, where it's, like, you know, before I was talking about, like, you know, how frustrated I am, and I'm like, I feel very unsatisfied by, like, you know, the way things kind of end there. This is, like, the complete opposite. Like, this is perfect for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was very... It is kind of funny that you have a big heartwarming ending with the heel unit, but uh, that's just how things have gone, you know, so they're not fighting now. I mean, they're the most popular unit in the promotion, so I mean, yeah. you know, no need to fight it, I guess. Uh, the final show we're going to talk about is the Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestle Princess show from today, or yesterday, November 7th, from Tokyo Dome City Hall. Uh, this was another incredible show. This is a show where, like, people told me over and over again it was a show that you year contender before I could actually watch it. And it's one of these things where, like, if you get told that repeatedly before you watch a show, it can color your expectations in a bad way where it can't live up to it. But by the time I finished, I was like, Oh, yeah, this was a show of the architecture. I mean, this really was an incredible show. Uh, yeah,
2: it was It was perfect. It was amazing.
1: Uh, the show opened with. Oh, sorry, are we going to add to that?
2: No, no, no. Okay.
1: The show opened with Suzume and Sena Shiori Thanks. defeating Moka Miyamoto and Mei Saruga from Gato Move uh, when Suzume pinned Miyamoto with the Ring a Bell in 1209. Um, this got like a surprising amount of time, at least to me. Maybe it's because yeah. May was in from Gato Move or something. Maybe that's why they got so much time. But like, the other three T- Tokyo Joshi wrestlers are all rookies, so I just wasn't expecting it to be, you know, that that long That's twelve, even twelve minutes. Uh, Susume eventually pinned Moko with the the ring of bell, like you said, that's a cutter basically. But yeah, good little match. Everybody worked hard. I would say like three stars. May uh, May yeah. is awesome. So if you've never seen it before, I love her. Yeah. I
2: I was excited when I saw she was on the card. So. Uh, I hope this, you know, people watch it and also love her, and then check out Gato Move because I mean, it's on YouTube. It's not that hard to find the matches. So I think, I think if you loved her in this and you've never seen her before, you should go. You know, look her up on YouTube. Indeed, she's really great.
1: Uh, match two: Palm Harajuku and Mahiro Kiryu defeating Marika Kobashi and Haruna Neko. Uh, Mahiro pinned Neko with the Spine Buster in 901. Uh, first of all it's just really great to have Marika back uh, she was one of my faves before she left for the understandable reason of focusing on school. But yeah she had some really good like tag title matches in particular like you know, she she and uh, Rekha Saiki briefly held the tag titles back in 2018 so I've never seen that step. I thought they had some really good matches together um, but yeah Mar- Marika seemed really into the cat gestures with Neko here like, she was, like, really <laughs> yeah. into doing the cat gestures here. Uh, I will say Mahiro having to sell for Neko looked a little absurd sometimes because Neko is so tiny. And Mahiro is one of these people, I think she's only, like, 5'5", five five, but, like, she looks even taller than she actually is. I guess because of, like, her body proportions. Like, she has a really, like, long upper body or something. So, she mm-hmm. just looks... It looks kind of, cra- kind of absurd when, like, Neko is, like, beating her up, basically. But, you know. Um, My hero, though, eventually does fight off Neko and pin her with a spine buster for the win. Uh, so, yeah. I would say this was just a match. Uh, I would have liked to see more uh, Marika than Neko, to be honest. I would say, like, two and a half. You know, probably the weakest match on the show, I think.
2: Um, yeah. Same. I mean, what did. I I mean like one thing that I guess is funny for me as someone who's like really into Japanese fashion is that you have uh the like Harajuku style girl versus like the Shibuya style girl who's Marika like the the style so like for me it was like really funny but I think beyond that yeah it's kind of like you know it's not bad but it's not like something you go back to watch so Marika so Marika
1: that's what the gal style is like nowadays is like the, uh, that's well i mean that's
2: thing. well i guess it's kind of always been like that like her style makes me think of like um you know like ayumi hamasaki uh-huh. the, the the singer mm-hmm. i guess that's kind of how she dressed in like the the like 2000s i, see. I guess that was kind of the, the the gal style i guess from the 2000s though i guess it's still kind of people still kind of dress like that it's you know changed over the years but like that's what her look makes me think of is like Yumi Hamasaki. And then like, well, like how palm dresses isn't really like how people in Harajuku dress. She's just, you know, dressing like that. Cause she's like a Kyari pomu pomu gimmick. Hmm. So it's still, it's still kind of like, you know, like Harajuku is seen as weird. And then Gyaru is seen as like, you know, trendy, I guess. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was just funny.
1: Uh, I want to say, by the way, some breaking news. Uh, they announced some of the shows some of the matches for Wrestle Kingdom so to confirm it is night one Naito versus Ibushi for both titles and then the winner will face Jay White on night two so there's no announcement about anything else for Jay White on night one but there you go and then they also put Okada Osprey on night one because we were speculating earlier but uh I wanted to point that out just because uh you know it's uh it, what, what our speculation is already outdated, so you know. Yeah. Uh, that's... Now,
2: now, honestly, now though, I'm not sure if Naito or Ibushi is going to win.
1: I see where is win. I guess at win. least that's good. I see where Ibushi is going to win. I guess we'll say. I assume this is set up for him winning, winning it all, and then beating, vanquishing Jay White at the end of it. But uh, let's see. Match number three here on Wrestle Princess, the International Princess Tournament semi-final Hikari Noah defeats Mirai Mayomi with the Blizzard suplex in 944. Um, first of all, I just liked I like the hype video for these two matches a lot. I don't know, just really yeah. uh, really well done hype video. But Mirai, like her big thing is working as the more powerful wrestler, and you know, as always, she was really good at it here. She was just like throwing Hikari Noah all over the place. And, you know, Hikari's very good at being the fiery underdog, so it was a good combo here. Uh there was this pretty amazing kick out where like uh Mariah hit her with this like really hard Lariat and instead of a normal kick out, she like you know, Hikari and Noah like twists her neck out at the last possible second. Uh it was really cool. So really, really cool little near yeah. fall in a way you don't normally say. Uh Noah comes back with a big super kick that takes uh Mariah's head off and then a bridging blizzard suplex for the pin. Uh this was quite good, I thought. Maybe the only thing I think took it down a little bit is the Ending felt a little anticlimactic because you know Mariah basically killed over the entire match, and then Noah just hit one super kick and one suplex, and it felt like okay that was it. But uh, I do really love Marai, though. So maybe that that could be my bias talking there. Uh, but I thought it was just three and a half star match. Good match. Uh, you know, definitely enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, I basically felt the same. You know, I had I liked watching it, and uh, normally in the past, like I haven't been really big on Hikari. Like I like her, but.
1: Some people on like Twitter, like... she, some people on Twitter seem to be obsessed with her. I've noticed, like, people, <laughs> she has like a real big fan base, and yeah, she's, yeah, never, well, she's never been one of my fave faves either. But I like her.
2: Yeah, but like, I feel like in this match, I started to like, I guess, kind of enjoy her matches more. Like, I felt like her matches in this show I enjoyed more than like anything I've seen from her before. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a good thing. You know that she's. You know, continually improving.
1: Yeah, uh, the fourth match was the other international princess title tournament semifinal. Uh, Yuki Kamifuku defeated Shoko Nakajima with the fame Master in nine twenty-two. Um, this was this was just kind of there for me a lot of the way. It did fe- feature like a really nice closing sequence with uh, Shoko. You know, she kept nearly rolling up her much larger opponent a few times with some really close Rana near falls before Yuka or Yuki finally puts her away with two straight fan masters for the pin uh you know big win for Yuki probably the biggest of her career even I mean you know I guess you could say winning the title was the biggest win of her career but like you know Shoko is a top level former champion so uh but yeah I mean this was you know I went two and three quarters it was a kind of an average match before the finishing sequence which I thought was really good but the crowd seemed like legit shocked by Yuki winning here so it got a big reaction for the COVID
2: era. Uh, so. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm like, a, I really love Cumiu a lot, so I was really excited that she won. So I, was, I, I think I like the match a lot more than you did. Um, I I just love how she gets like, you know, like like in this match in particular, she got like really, what was it, um, aggressive at some points, um, just like really like kicking the shit out of her, and I always I always like when I guess. People get the shit kick out of them, <laughs> um, you know. Like, like kicking. I mean, my favorite's Ibushi, so obviously I really like kicking. Um, also, I want to comment on Kamiyu's new gear because it's amazing. It's it's like glam denim, <laughs> which is incredible. Yeah. Also, like her like lace up like uh, like you know thigh highs or whatever. No one else has gear that looks like that. I think it's I think it's fantastic.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it is something. <laughs> that is for sure. Definitely <laughs> stands out. Uh, yeah. Match number five was Yuna Manase defeating Raku with a short-range lariat in 917. Uh, started out with some really funny comedy where Raku acted like she wanted a handshake at the start, but when Yuna goes to shake her hand, she just goes to sleep. And then referee Matsui calls for the bell to ring, but also decides to go to sleep, which is very funny. Uh, Yuna stomps Matsui to wake him up, uh, tries to do the same to Raku, but Raku keeps like rolling out of the way, like catches her foot, uh, and then tries for the good night express, but uh, Manase interrupts it with a lariat. Um, yeah, you, the, the finish was interesting. So Yuna hits this kind of sloppy-looking facebuster thing. It uh, looked really bad, actually, but she pulls Raku up for the three count and then hits the short-range lariat for the pin, I wonder if that was planned or if Yuna just realized on the fly that like the finish looked shitty and she should do something else uh, because that would make her smarter than a lot of wrestlers honestly but either way uh, I wrote three and a quarter good little match you know started out with heavy yeah. comedy but fun match even without the comedy so
2: yeah I guess I mean, it, was, it was fun you know it didn't, didn't overstay its welcome or anything and, you know yeah. I always, I always love Raku because she's just so like adorable. Like, all her her little, like, you
1: know, I guess. She loves to sleep. Very relatable. Yeah. Very relatable. Uh, Match six was incredible. Saki Akai defeats Hyper Musao by knockout with the... Oh, God, I can never pronounce this. Do you know how to pronounce your finisher? Because some anime... Uh, It's like Ketsu... Co- Codal or it's something a, like that. I'm pretty okay. sure I'm getting
2: it wrong. Uh
1: if she beat her with that in thirteen forty-nine in the Russell Princess Switch rule random rules match. Okay. So there's this switch in the corner. And when it's it's like on one of the ring posts. And when it's pressed, the rules change at random. So the there's a new rule that replaces an old rule. Uh the rules were submitted by fans, <laughs> which is really funny to begin with. We have no idea what's gonna happen. Uh obviously huge huge thanks again to the gt english update account for helping with this match especially uh the first set of rules are no kicking which obviously favors miss a lot because kicking is about 95 percent of saki guys offense obviously uh saki immediately hits a big boot tries to cover miss the ref won't count it and they argue whether or not a big boot is a kick like saki is moching like no that's not a kick and the ref's like no that is a kick uh, Misao rolls her up from behind during that for a close two count. And then Misao puts her feet on the ropes for a pin. And when the ref will count, Misao's like, but that's not a kick. <laughs> and the ref is like, that's still illegal. It's not no kicking, but like feet on the ropes are allowed. But that was, <laughs> that was really fucking funny. Uh, the second rule, put your forehead on the bat. They gave them both bats. Turn five times or else your pins won't be counted. And then after you do the spin, 5 times spin, if the pin is unsuccessful, you must spin again. So, first of all, Saki Akai did not get her fucking forehead anywhere near this bat. So, she should have been when decued.
2: Why is so tall? It's so <laughs> like, a, you know, if she's down that much, it's like, how is she going to spin? Uh,
1: yeah, she really couldn't get her... She could not get her forehead on that fucking bat. Uh, See, both are very dizzy. Uh misao tries to like go for a crossbody and misses her by a mile like on purpose which was really funny uh saki tries to pin her and then but but since misao kicks out she has to spin again and then misao starts like making her spin faster and keep spinning which i thought was really funny uh and then tries to roll her up with a pin but then saki kicks out so uh they both spin she has to spin again too They both miss more pin attempts. They both have to spin again for the third time. And at that point, they agree. At that point, to hit the button. They both died for the quarter. Like, we've had enough of this. And they both hit the button to get the third roll. Uh, the third rule: Falls count anywhere, but pins are only counted after you finish eating a bag of chocolate cream puffs. Uh, first of all, Saki can't open the bag. The crowd actually starts clapping to encourage her to do it, which was really fucking funny. Uh... Misao knocks her away, and then she fucking cheats. He had to eat one uh, cream puff. She takes her bag of cream puffs and pours all of them into Saki's bag, which, first of all, I'm shocked they all fit in there. Second of all, that's a great plan, but she forgot one detail, which is Saki, from the outside, can just walk over and hit the button on the post <laughs> to make a new rule, and she realizes at the last second, she's like, oh no, and, like dives over, and the crowd's like laughing so hard, and Saki just calmly hits the button to get a new rule. Uh the fourth rule each wrestler gets a helping hand the match Saki's helper is her stablemate slash maybe boyfriend uh slash KOD six man tag team partner uh Yukio Sakaguchi which Misao sounds like very concerned which I would be too if uh yeah. if this this fucking yakuza looking guy came down to help my partner but her helper is Shinshiro Takagi which she seems greatly pleased by uh, Takagi brings the, this new DT Extreme title belt with him does this whole fire thing the, the big match entrance to with the post only to immediately get attacked by Sakaguchi uh, Sakaguchi and Takagi they square off with bats Okay, and then <laughs> Sakaguchi knocks Takagi's bat away Takagi begs him to stop because he has a 10 year old daughter I don't know why it got so deep all of a sudden but Sakaguchi says I'm gonna kill you and become the president and then he stabs him with the bat Samurai style. And as this is all happening, Misao walks over and calmly hits the button again. And the two of them head to the back, which was again, so fucking funny. The fifth rule, last woman standing match. Our first normal rule, I guess you could say. A standard 10 count. But ends up being the, the last rule of the match. Uh, and this is where they, like, Saki really gets her kicks going. She takes Misao's head off with a high kick. Uh, Misao comes back with a big double underhook face buster. Uh, very similar to, like, the Chris Daniels Angels wings. You get a big double count. They both barely beat the ten count, and then Saki hits her wacky cradle buster thing—the whatever you said before, the chrysaconta or whatever. Uh, the crowd yeah,
2: like that, I think.
1: The crowd claps for out of recover, and she almost pulls it off, but she can't quite pull herself back to her feet. So Saki wins. This fucking ruled. I mean, I'm sure some of you listening will probably not like it because. You know, you're dorks so and you don't like any comedy. But I had so much fun with this match. It's like the best comedy match I've seen in forever. It still had a lot of really good wrestling too, especially at the end. Four stars, very easy four stars. Highly recommended if you can enjoy comedy wrestling. Just had so much fucking fun with this match.
2: I I absolutely loved it. I love. I mean, I love everything about... Hyper Misao's, like, character. She's like, I'm a hero, but then she always, like, cheats and shit, (laughs) and I think she did that perfectly here, like, when she did the Cream Puffs bag, and of course, like, the Cream Puffs is, like, you know, like, a reference all the way back for Hyper Misao. Uh, She had it in both her match versus, uh, oh my god, I'm like, uh, Jin Kasai, Uh... and then I think she had it in her match against, from last year when she was, like, Evil Misao against uh, Tatsumi Rika. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, I guess, a re- reoccurring thing with her with the Choco Puffs.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so it's that was kind of like when I saw the Choco Puffs, I was like, oh, this again. I thought it was funny to, to kind of have that reference. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's also kind of like the meta thing of how Saki, uh, you know, she she uh, has a. Somewhat of a resemblance to uh, <laughs> the former mentor of Misao back when she was evil, uh, Saki-sama. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I wonder. I wonder if that that uh, crossed Misao's mind at any point. Yeah. They're they're uh they're uh they I, I mean like not only exactly the same but similar, <laughs> you know.
1: Saki like consoling her at the end was so cute too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Awesome awesome match. Afterward we get Amazing. some some info on the next Tokyo Joshi shows. Uh Saki was speaking of her, some, somehow I don't know how she get into the country from France during this, but she she found a way. Uh she's returning on the November 14th Shinkiba show. I think they said it's a one-time appearance. Uh and then on November 20th we get Hyper Missile versus uh Super Salsa Tango Machine, which I can't wait for that. Should be incredible. I'm so
2: excited for that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Match number seven here on this 10-match show. uh, Miyu Yamashita and Aja Kong defeat Maki Ito and Suri when Yamashita pins Ito with the Crash Rabbit Heat in 1701. Uh, You know, again, following up that awesome comedy match with an awesome, you know, old-school Joshi tag. I mean, just awesome action here. Um, Maki, like, trying to hold her own with Aja Kong was, like, a highlight early on. Like, at one point she starts crying, I guess, but like she then just, like, slaps Aja in the face before Aja just, like, calmly resumes killing her. But then Aja, like, breaks out the, the steel garbage can and starts hitting Ito on the head with it. But Ito has a very hard head because she has a big head. And it, she goes nuts and starts, like, hitting herself in the head with it repeatedly for some reason, which is very, very frightening, honestly. Uh, but then, you know, Miu and Sari have the kind of, like, really hard-hitting battle you would expect from those two. You know, they just, like, kick the crap out of each other. There's one point where Miu hits, like, this, like, falling kick to Sari's, like, midsection that I was like, my God, I would hate to take that. It, like it looks like it sucked, you know, for Sari, I mean. I mean, just, like, yeah, killed her. Uh, but Sari gets her receipt, I guess, because she gets this ridiculous drop kick to the face while Miu is sitting up against the ropes, like, murders her. And then gets a nice fisherman suplex hole for a two-count uh, before Ito finally tags back in. And Mew, you know, takes out Ito at the end of the Crash Rabbit Heat to end a really great, stiff-as-hell tag match. I won four stars on this as well. Really awesome tag match here.
2: Uh Yeah, I I greatly enjoyed it. Um, I loved how it's like, like, it started out, like, there's kind of, like, those funny th- moments where it's like, you know, like, when, like, Ito slapped Asha Kong and you're, like, you know that she's about to, like, die and stuff. But, like, as it went on, it was, like, more, like, it was just a really intense wrestling match. And, uh, you know, it had, like, I guess a little bit of both. So it was, you know, a good balance of, of comedy and wrestling. Um, and, yeah, I saw it was really great. Um, also, I just, every time I watch Mew, I'll, like, the way, I don't know what it is, but, like, the way she does her moves I'm always like I always like kind of feel it myself <laughs> yeah. it, it looks like it looks like it hurt
1: I mean Mia looks like uh, she kills people I mean that's how yeah. she, it looks like she just kicks people as hard as she can uh, yeah, and
2: then she's like forced out of the ring the complete opposite yeah yeah you know, it's really
1: funny uh, before the intermission which followed this match we get some big announcements uh, first of all we're getting four corkins just in the first half of 2021, which is kind of crazy. They only used to do three of these all year. Uh, it's going to be January 4th, February 11th, April 17th, and May 4th. We also got the announcement that Russell Princess 2 will be from Oda War Gym next year, a slightly bigger building, and that'll be from o- on October 9th. Because I, I don't think I even mentioned this. This was on. This was at Tokyo Dome City Hall, which is like that weird building they booked. They built near Tokyo Dome that a lot of people first thought was going to be like the replacement for Korakin, but um it just it holds too many people i guess to be a regular a regular building like corkin is for a lot of these companies and it's probably way more expensive so you know there really haven't been that many wrestling shows here like i know wrestle one ran it for their very first show and some other companies have run it over the years but really not that often i think that's where new japan ran their oh no that was from that uh tv building so yeah it was uh i was gonna say those the 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 first uh you know pandemic no people shows but that was tbs i studio or whatever uh but yeah you know i've seen russell one shows there um i think some other joshi companies have run it a few times but really not that often uh after the intermission we get introduced to alice endo who is a new trainee who was in the same uh cheer one group that reika psyche used to be in what you know the the cheer one uh the people that danced basically the girls that danced at the start of russell one shows uh now Kakutu or Kakuta. Now Kakuta from Actress Girl Z is uh, or Actress Girls, I guess. <laughs> I don't know why I said Z. Uh but she's it's like Sakura Ishikawa Z. Uh now Kakuta from Actress Girls is also joining the company as a roster member. A promotion I do not watch, as you can probably tell by me butchering their name, but so I've never seen a roster before, I don't think. But
2: uh I don't think you like it's you can like either. That's watch right. It. Yeah,
1: they only release DVDs or something, right? I think they don't. Yeah. They're never on TV or anything, so.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, but yeah. Anyway, so she's. People said maybe she'll form a tag team with Haruna Neko since uh, uh, now has also had a cat themed gimmick in the past. But her last costume, apparently, in Actress Girls, also had gotten rid of all the cat stuff. So I guess we'll see. But uh, yeah, there you go. She's she's another new addition here. Uh, match number eight, the International Princess Tournament Final, Yuki Kamifuku defeating Hikari Noah with the Diving Fame Master in 756. So, Yuki is now the fifth International Princess Champion. Um, you know, I thought this was pretty good, but really not much more than that. Uh, you know, this, both girls, I don't know, maybe looked a little tired or something, but it just didn't hit me on a, like, big, big level here. Uh, I went, like, three and a quarter, but it was a pretty, pretty good match, but, like, you know, maybe... Not what I was expecting for a title final, or whatever. But I'm still really happy for Yuki because, like, she has worked super hard. She deserves this. I mean, she was fucking horrible when she when she first started, and she herself would tell you that. She, you know, she told me that honestly when I, uh, you know, did her English lesson thing once or Japanese lesson, I should say. But you know, she's perfectly fine now. She's a perfectly perfectly good wrestler. So uh, she's worked really hard to get that to get to that point. But yeah, I would only go about three and a quarter. But uh good little match and I'm happy for Kami Yu.
2: Uh, I I definitely uh, like enjoyed this match. I think when you did I loved it more. Um, I I to me it's like I guess what's interesting about this match is like the two of them it's like have never they've never held singles titles before um, in Tokyo Joshi Pro. They're both kind of like I guess you know, still kind of, like, establishing themselves, you know, they're not, like, uh, uh, what do you say? They're, they're still, like, I guess, growing a lot as wrestlers all of the time, and so it's kind of, like, you could feel, I guess, their, I guess, determination to, you know, finally hold, like, the singles title. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they definitely seemed a little tired, but, I mean, it kind of made sense because they had already wrestled in the show, so it didn't really, like, bother me, and I think it kind of, even in a way, added to it, because they were still, like, you know, hitting hitting really hard, and, uh, I guess they start like, they started it off even, like, pretty aggressive, so you could really, like, feel, I guess, uh, how, how badly they wanted this, and as a Kamiyu fan, I was really excited that she won, um, and, uh, I
1: really loved it. Uh, Match semifinal, the princess tag team titles, uh, the Bakaretsu sisters, Nodoka Tenma, and Yuki Aino defeating the team of Rika Tatsume and Miyu Watanabe. Uh, Aino pinning Watanabe at the UBV in 1701. So Daydream, as that team is known, fails in their fifth defense, and the Bakaretsu sisters become the sixth princess tag team champions. Uh, I thought this was a good match. You know, the, a lot of nice power stuff from the Baka Retsu sisters. And I know, especially, has gotten, like, quietly good at just, like, tossing people around. Um, you know, she puts Yamashita away at the Or not Yamashita, what am I talking about? Uh, she puts Watanabe away at the end with her big double underhook face buster, which is the, uh, you know, the UBV. Um, but yeah, it was a good match. It did, never quite got to the next level for me. I don't know if I was just, like, a little burnt out in the show at this point and ready for the main event. But I only went three and a half. I saw a lot of people give it a lot higher, so maybe I should go back and watch it again. But it was still a good match. And I, it was really cool to see the sisters get like so emotional at the end. They were just so happy. Especially uh, Yuki Aino, you know, who obviously worked a long time to achieve like something of this level. So
2: Yeah, um, I mean, I didn't feel burnout because like, you know, when I watched it live, I the entire second half I didn't watch live. Mm. So it's like I had like a a long break of like, you know, like a whole day. So it's still fresh for me. Um, But yeah, I really enjoyed it. This match uh, was really like, I guess for me, it felt really fast paced. Like I like, you know, like I take the take a lot of notes when I when I'm watching and like going to be on here. Um, And I normally I can just kind of take notes and not have to pause. And, like, it's fine. But this, like, I actually was, like, pausing during the match because I was, like, writing something down. And, like, while I was writing, something else cool would happen. And I'd be like, oh, shit. So I just got in the habit of pausing during this. Um, It definitely felt like there was a lot of, like, uh, big moves going on. Um, There was – what was I – Oh, I, uh, oh, there was, when Mew lifted both of the, the sisters at the same time to, to uh, I guess, slam them, like, I, that to me was like, holy fuck, I wasn't expecting that from her, um, but that was definitely, I guess, a move that really stood out to me, um, and yeah, like, the ending where they're, like, crying and stuff, I was like, you know, I was already, like, feeling the emotions, because I knew the match was coming next, and so when they were crying, I was like... Oh, my heart!
1: <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. The main event here. Now, I said I was a little burnt out that during that tag title match. This main event was so amazing; it got me back and then some. Uh, Yuka Sakazaki defeating Mizuki with the magical girl Niwari uh, Niwatori Yaro, and twenty five thirty seven for the fourth defense for Yuka, uh, this, th- I, I, this match was incredible. I mean, like, uh, yeah. up there with uh, a couple of Miyu Yamashita, or not Miyu Yamashita, a couple uh oh god, why am I blanking? <laughs> don't you love when you just blank on a person's name in the middle of a podcast, everybody? Uh, the stardom, god, the fucking stardom world champion. I
2: don't watch
1: stardom, so I don't okay. know. <laughs> <laughs> the <world, laughs> Matani, there we go. I kept saying Miyu Yamashita. Uh, a couple Mayu Iwatani matches. Uh, I'm thinking specifically the Suri match, or not Serae, the uh, the first match with the. Wow, I'm really I'm really having a bad. <laughs> a couple of my a couple uh, Mayu Iwatani matches. <laughs> anyway, I guess I I guess I'm tired, folks. I'm sorry, but yeah, it's up there at a couple of different Mayu Iwatani matches as my favorite uh, Joshi matches of the year. Uh, the, definitely remember the Mayu and Starlight Kid match from the. Uh, from that from the Stardom tournament, so the five star. Uh, anyway, the this match though, this is just as good as those. Probably uh maybe even a little bit better. Just an incredible match. You know, they start out with this like really aggressive like mat wrestling. Like really rolling around with neither of them able to get a clear advantage. Uh Yuka has like a wardrobe malfunction here and like
2: Oh, I was freaking out. I was like <laughs> I was, like, I'm, like, this is already, like, really intense, like, the way they're grappling. And somehow, like, I was, like, but because of the wardrobe malfunction, it was even more, like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was, like, freaking out on two. I was, like, freaking out on, like, two levels. Like, one, like, oh, this is, like, so good. And then also, like, oh, no, something bad's <laughs> about to happen. And I was, like, my mind was, was overwhelmed.
1: But, yeah, before we got anything too graphic, thankfully uh yuka was able to like just hold she basically held mizuki under her knee while she like tied her thing back on which was kind of funny i wouldn't call that a botch; just an interesting little moment you know um yeah later on we get this like this big counter drop kick from mizuki when yuka you know comes off the top rope and then yuka rolls to the floor and mizuki does this you know oh no mizuki does this big cross body uh while yuka's on the apron that sends her to a nasty spell to the floor and then Mizuki goes all the way up top and double stomps Yuka all the way from the top rope to the floor. Uh, that seemed to hurt Yuka's foot, but thankfully not too bad. But yeah, that was a crazy double stomp. And just the start of many double stomps to come. Which yeah. I'm like, Yuka, Yuka's stomach's going to hurt tomorrow. That's all I can say. Uh, yeah. A vicious double stomp back in the ring where Yuka is like hanging in the middle ropes. And Mizuki stomps her again. Uh, Mizuki goes for another one off the top, but Yuka rolls out of the way and just, like, slams her down with this counter, almost like a Northern Lights bomb that looked really nasty. Uh, we get a top rope face buster, or a complete shot, as the announcers call it, from Yuka. Uh, Mizuki, like, counters Yuka when she had her held up in midair with this, like, brutal-looking takedown to her cross face, because it's, like, there's almost like a La Mystica, but to the face? Like, it looked really, yeah. really nasty uh yuka's able to get out when mizuki tries to roll her back toward the center and applies an stf instead really awesome counter uh but mizuki's able to get out of that as well uh and then mizuki hits this crazy spitting crossbody. like i don't like i don't know how to describe this she just spun like a million times in mid-air i know
2: i was i was like it looked like like something that you'd see in like an anime or something it didn't even like how is this really happening
1: it was fucking crazy it was crazy. Uh, she heads up top and gets another double stomp off the top rope. Uh, Yuka's a trooper because this can't be pleasant. And she gets kicked out at it, too. And then when Mizuki tries to follow up, Yuka suddenly comes back to life and gets her big spitting slam thing. I don't know the name of, but I'm sure it probably has a name. She collapses afterwards, though. And then both girls are doing, like, this incredible job selling the utter, utter exhaustion and just da- how beaten down they are. Uh, especially thinking of when, like, Mizuki was, like, leaning over just before Yuka, like, absolutely killed her with a sliding lariat. Just great selling there. Uh, and then she follows up with a big roaring elbow, another face buster, before going for the Magical Girl Splash, uh, where she gets to the back just for the 25-minute call. She goes up again, goes for the 450 version, and hits it, and she covers, and that's the pin. I did not expect that. I really thought Mizuki was going to win, honestly. I don't know if you did going again or not, but... Uh,
2: I was... I honestly was, like, not sure what was going to happen, so I was kind of like, I'm, I'm, like, more of a Yuka fan, so I was, like, partially I'm like, really more, I'm over at the Yuka same fan time. At the same time, I was, like, it wasn't really cool if M- Mizuku won, so I was, like, kind of, like, I mean, either either way I would be happy, so, but I guess when uh, Yuka won, I was, like, oh, good, I, continue, I can continue to see her title matches, I was yeah. happy about that.
1: Yeah, this match fucking ruled. I mean, these two girls... It was amazing. They murdered each other, especially Mizuki at all those double stomps, and just, I don't know. I was, I was pretty hyped for it going in, and more than lived up to it. A four-and-a-half-star match. Amazing match. Uh, you know, really put this show over the top at the end here. Not, I mean, the whole show was really good. It was really the kind of show you will enjoy start to finish, but, like, having this level of match at the end definitely puts it over the top to a, uh, like, show of the year contender, I think. Uh, really, really incredible match, and really awesome show and the tearful end to everybody coming out and crying and you know just a really great ending
2: yeah one thing i was like thinking about during the end is yeah. that like normally in like wrestling uh companies you have like you know your heels and your faces whereas like with tokyo joshi pro like even though there's some people who like cheat and stuff and then like people who are a little bit more honorable it doesn't really feel like oh like people are like at war with each other it has more of a feeling of like i guess these like women kind of coming together and like having like rivalries that like push each other Mm
0: -hmm. i guess
2: instead um i guess that kind of made me think of like i guess like uh oddly enough like idol groups where like you kind of have that like people always like you know like they're friend like friendly rivals or it's not friendly rivals is the best word like there's rivalries, but, like, they don't, like, hate each other, um, and I guess that's one of the things about Tokyo Joshi that I really love, like, there's always this, like, sense of, like, I guess, like, kind of positivity around this, and, like, a sense of, of, like, love for wrestling, um, and I guess, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but, uh, I think that's one of the things that makes Tokyo Joshi really unique and really great to watch and always uplifting. You know, I feel like after their shows, I always feel really happy.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it, it's just such a great... It's such a, like, really... It's a happy show. It's a great way to put it, you know? And I, I definitely... I was thinking about the exact same thing you just mentioned. Like, I remember thinking early in the show, I'm like, wow, with, without Saki-sama, there's no heels in this company. <laughs> it's, it, is yeah. kind of, it is kind of amazing. I mean, am trying to think what the closest thing to a heel would be. I guess Misau? Would be because she cheats, but I still wouldn't call her. Yeah. A, I still wouldn't call her a heel.
2: Yeah, she's not really a heel. She's just kind of like a, a bit of a, a, a rascal, I yeah. guess.
1: There's, there are some like rascal characters, but I wouldn't call any. I wouldn't really say there's any heel characters. So it's a very unique yeah. promotion in that way. Because um, even among other Joshi companies, I don't know. Maybe maybe that is a thing in other companies. I mean, you know, Stardom obviously has a lot of has plenty of heels. They have a way to tie, who are all heel. Um, I don't know about anybody in the company. I don't really watch that many other, I mean, hmm, let me think about this. I haven't watched Sunday Girls in forever. Yeah, maybe this is a Joshi thing, because I don't, I can't think of that many heels in Sunday Girls. There's like outsiders who are presented heelish, I guess. But, uh, and I don't watch a lot some, probably a question better for, uh, another podcast of this network, uh, the Jumping Bomb Audio, who could probably answer more about these other promotions. I don't really watch that often but yeah it is a very interesting thing to see especially after new japan which obviously does have a lot of heels uh it is a very it is a big contrast here promotion that really doesn't have any heels yeah. at all so
2: yeah because like you know it's like they all come together and it's like all of the roster members like support each other they're not even like clicky really they're just kind of like all one big group who just you know they want to fight each other but like you know because they want to prove themselves, not because they like hate each other, and I think that's really refreshing.
1: Yeah, it's a really different way to do a promotion. That's for sure. All right, so we've gone over two hours here, so we should wrap this up. Uh, but Thanks. thank you very much for coming on, Haley, and covering all three shows thank here you. with me. Uh, do you want to plug? Uh, thank
2: you for inviting me.
1: Do you want to plug anything?
2: Um, I guess I'll just plug my Twitter account. Um. If you can follow me on Twitter at um, it's uh, cherry colored, but it's spelled C H O E R Y Y, and then colored in spelled with the the British way with a U. Um, do note that I do tweet a lot about um, K-pop and also anime, particularly Love Live, because. Those are things I'm really into. So if you're not into those things, you probably want to follow me, but I also do tweet a lot about wrestling. I tweet a lot about DDT and uh, about Ibushi in particular. So if you want to follow me, follow me there. Uh, yeah, I guess that's that's all I have to plug.
1: Alrighty. Uh, I totally forgot to do the big Patreon plug I'm supposed to do at the start of the show. So <laughs> it gets up like that here. I got so distracted bearing Donald Trump that I forgot to do that. So... Uh, the Patreon is at patreon.com slash Uh If you want to hear the New Japan Best of Super Junior and World Tag League and DDT DO coverage, we're going to cover all three tournaments every show on the Patreon. Uh, some of the shows will be out here on the free feed, uh, basically the weekend shows, but like all the other shows will be only on the Patreon. So definitely, if you want to hear me follow, follow along with all those shows, definitely check out the Patreon. It's only $5.00. It's a hell of a deal, if I do say so myself, for all the audio I put on there. Uh, we've also been doing the one-match series lately, where I've been covering matches uh, submitted by patrons. We've done all sorts of stuff. We did a, a match from the original UWF recently. Uh, you know, we have done we did stuff from Big Japan. We did a, a war match from, like, the early, early 90s. So, like, all, all over the place. Uh, and that'll be wrapping up this week, so you can hear more stuff with a, uh, a starter match. Actually, Kari... Kari Sane slash Kari Hojo's debut match and Stardom is the next one. And we'll be doing a Shibata match from New Japan as the last one. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then, like I said, next week, uh, next Monday, November 16th, we'll kick off daily coverage of the World Tag League and Best of Super Junior. And then the following week, we'll kick off daily coverage of the DDT Do. So every single show that's not covered on the free feed will be on the Patreon only. So definitely check that out. Uh, next week on the free feed... We'll have... I don't have a guest yet. i got to line one up still. So I guess I better get on that. But we'll be covering the show from November 15th, the opener of both the World Tag League and the Best of Super Junior, uh, you know, night one, the double night one from Nagoya. We'll also be doing a, f- a full preview of the DO. So that'll be also on next week's show. So again, New Japan and DET again next week. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at WrestleOmakase. Wrestling, of course, would not fit. And thank you as always for listening and we'll see you next time.